ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, welcome to Tap Tuesday, brought to you by Titanium Archery Products. Dedicated archers deserve truly elite products that provide all of the performance attributes that they demand, and that's exactly what Tap delivers. This week, I sit down with Kyle Davidson of DCA Custom Arrows. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Kyle Davidson. Kyle, what's happening, man? I appreciate you taking hey, the time. Hey, how's it going, brother? It's going good, man. Appreciate your time jumping on with me um we're just gonna jump right into it man give us a little uh intro and some background yeah so uh started a little company called dca custom arrows um then building arrows i started it in january kind of kicked things off um i kind of stumbled into it but we'll figure that out tell that story when we get there but i've uh, been building arrows since, like I said, January, and I just counted up. Uh, I just started my 51st set of the year, so I've been building them like crazy. Um, I'm kind of unique to it because I don't just take somebody's specs. Like if somebody says, I want a 27-inch arrow, I want these veins on it, and then somebody builds it. What I do is get their uh, bow making model, so I get the IBO, the speed of the bow from that, their draw length, their draw weight, and I go through crunch a bunch of numbers, uh, and figure out what would be the kind of the best setup for them. But, uh, it's a little more of a, uh, complicated situation than that. So I go through and look at all the different arrow manufacturers, the different, um, shafts that are available, not only the spines, but the, uh, the weight of the spines, the weight of the inserts, uh, the available inserts, and then kind of come up with the best combination that I think would fit for their, uh, unique setup. On top of that, um, I do a custom wrap. So I'll design a wrap, you know, put their name on it, make it camouflage, put a company logo on it, uh, really whatever anybody wants, um, and get that all printed up, uh, get everything together, build them up. And it's a 
100% custom arrow. So it's not just a, uh, you know, you tell me your dimensions. I actually go through and figure everything out for you. So it's a it's kind of a, a unique, a very, very custom arrow all the way from the build to the, the wrap itself. Unique is, uh, <laughs> that's kind of an understatement, man, because you're banging out. I mean, you have everything from on point Garrett got some, um, Mike Batiste with El Collin Academy, um, the Kong Valley guys, uh, who else, man? Iron will. I mean, you got, yeah, Phil from Iron Will's got some, uh, I got a ton of people. Um, uh, I did a, a few for uh, Trent Murphy, who's the defensive end for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, that was a really cool build. He's a really cool guy too, man. I I haven't had a lot of experience with a lot of professional athletes, but I'll tell you what, man, that was one of the coolest guys. I talked to him a couple times on the phone uh, for like a half hour each, and he's a super smart guy. Uh, he went to Stanford and then went and played for the Redskins and went and played for the Bills. But, uh, so I've got to meet a lot of really cool people. I got to, you know, yourself, uh, some of the other guys from the Kong Valley, they're all really, really cool people. Um, and that's honestly part of what I, what I really like about this. I get to talk to people and find out what they're passionate about. And obviously everybody's passionate about hunting, but everybody has their own personality too. And I try to bring their personality out in these arrows. So I think like for yours, I, I had some wraps that were, pretty subtle and pretty laid back. And then, uh, you were like, no, man, I want him to be super cool. And so, uh, <laughs> he came up with one and it looked bad. You know, it, it was a, an evil looking rap and it, I wouldn't say it fits your personality. You're a nice guy, but it, it's a definitely, you know, your own custom rap, which is what I love to do. I love them too, man. I, I look at them things and I'm like, Oh man, you almost don't want to shoot them. They're so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that a lot. Oh, well, I man. tell people, I tell people, and I told you this too. I said, uh, you know, if, when you get these, don't shoot them at the same spot at 20 yards because you will hit them. And I think you said you Robin Hood one. And I, I know uh, I got a buddy, Spencer, who's busting knocks off the things like crazy, uh, shooting veins off of them at 40 yards. And people, I, a guy just sent me a picture of a group at 50 yards. And I was like, they're, you know, you're danger close there, son. You need to start shooting different knots at 50 yards. So I know better. I've been shooting a long time, right? And I get these arrows and I'm like, man, these things are badass. So immediately I start, right? <laughs> and I'm, and I'm using, you know, I'm using five spots. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And then it's just like, man, I just, I don't know what it is in us <laughs> that we just have to see that group. It just doesn't make any sense. So I'm watching, you know, yeah. I'm piercing fletchings. I'm scuffing oh, yeah. up wraps. I, I Robin hood. I'm like, oh man, this is ridiculous. Um, so no, you, you got to do it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it is. So needless to say, out of the 51 <laughs> sets, I had probably number 45 and 49. <laughs> yeah. I just actually, my second. <laughs> yeah. I think yours, yours might've been 50. Oh, no, wow. uh, you were 49. You're right. You were 49. That just was a good guess, years. man. <laughs> yep. Right on it. But yeah, but they no, are. it's uh go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I, I, I go through the whole process of it where, you know, I, I really, I do a, a good job to make these built well, uh, to look really cool and then to fly really good too. I mean, there's, you know, I look at the dynamic spine, I look at the, you know, I figure that out and then I figure out the static spine from that. Uh, I look at, you know, all the, the buzzwords, I look at the, the FOC, the speed, the kinetic energy, the momentum, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, on top of that, I give everybody a, a sheet that has 
all those stats on it. So when they get it, it has, um, you know, all the stats for your bow, all the stats for your arrows and all the, the weights for every single arrow. Um, I spinal line them and everything. So they're, they're really accurate and they look good too. But it's like you said, man, when you shoot one and you're like, that was a good shot. You're like, I want to see if I could, how close this next one. <laughs> I don't know what it is, man. It's, it's just, stupid. that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. But I don't know what it is, but yeah, everybody does it. And everybody sends me pictures of it. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm going to be building you more arrows, which you think I'd be happy about, but I'm just like, just be careful with these things, man. Have them for a week. Yeah, it's it's a rough one, man. You you kind of you find mm-hmm. yourself regretting it because you're like, damn, I have to order more. I'll, yeah. It'll never be the same, right? Just going and you know wrapping your own or throwing them together. It's just it's yeah, never be the same. Yeah, it's different too. I mean, I, like I said, I built, I have built fifty sets of arrows. So um, just like anything else, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And if somebody's doing any job, if they do it fifty times, they're going to probably do it a little bit a little bit better than somebody that, uh, hasn't, you know, I'm not saying that I'm the best arrow builder out there, but, uh, I do it a lot. <laughs> um, and I, like I said, you know, getting the spine right and getting all that stuff, that's really, really critical. Um, that's kind of why I got into it. If you want to get into that now. Well, let's, let's, um, oh, I want to, I want to get into the weeds, but I want to, I want to hear, let's get everybody focused on, on the man behind the arrows. And then we'll get into that. And then one of the things I want to do is there is, and and maybe just because I'm paying more attention to it, I don't know. There's a lot of new hunters, a lot of folks that are coming into, you know, hunting and archery. Um, Yep. And I see a lot of information, a lot of opinionated information, a lot of good information, a lot of bad information. So I'd like to get into you know, that the aerotech, if you will, right. And, uh, and just talk about weight and speed and FOC and spine and diameter options, straightness, et cetera, um, to kind of just give those guys a little bit of backing. And then some of the folks with the bad info, clear them up a little bit. Um, and then we'll get into the arrow geek himself and sure, just go crazy good. on that. So why don't you give us a little bit, man, about your hunting outdoor life and yeah, so the, the, I, that's a quick story because um, my my dad, my mom uh, were not. My mom was more of an outdoor person than my dad. But my dad is not an outdoor person. Um, I didn't get exposed to that until a lot later in life. Um, but once I get outside and I have a chance to, you know, go camping and spend some time outside, man, that's how I recharge. Like I feel like a completely different person uh, within an hour of being outside. And then when I come back from it, you know, I'm a, a different person, a more relaxed person. And I have, uh, all my views in life are kind of refocused on what is truly important. And, uh, I love it, man. But my, my hunting, um, I'm here in Indiana and there's not a lot of public ground. There's it's available, but there's not a lot of it. And, um, what that does is kind of focus all the, the hunters into that area. Um, just recently I got access to a little bit of private ground. And so, uh, got to go out a couple times this year. Um, didn't see much, uh, saw a very small buck running away from me and that was about it, but got to go outside, be outside, uh, walk around the woods. And, um, you know, most of what I do is talk to a lot of hunters, uh, through my business and hear some of, of their stories and, man, they got some crazy stories. I've met some extremely interesting people. Uh, one guy that 
you know, works on oil rigs. Another guy uh, that is uh, a charter boat captain, and uh, they're both just really interesting people. But hearing their hunting stories and uh, knowing that part of the hunting isn't the actual killing, but it's actually just being out there and uh, being with nature and kind of being able to walk around and uh, see that side of life is is more of what I'm into the hunting for. And I, you know, haven't really had that much experience with it, but that's what I like to do. But this season I'll be able to get out a lot more. Like I said, I have access to to ground now and um, a few more friends that are around the area and uh, be able to get out and actually do some hunting with them too. So, so why archery? So uh, yeah, I started out um, with pistols and rifles. Um, I started, you know, shooting those and messing around with them. Uh, and then shooting out to a hundred yards, which is about all I could. Like I said, I'm, I'm not Indianapolis, but I'm on the North side of Indianapolis. There's not a, you can't really get much more than a hundred yards around here. And just shooting a rifle a hundred yards was, was pretty boring. Um, I didn't really want to get into hand loading and, but I like to tinker and I would take, I was modifying everything. I built my own AR. I, I modified a bolt action 308 and just, you know, getting those down, but I didn't, I didn't want to start hand loading or anything. And at my current job, I was actually uh, working with a guy, uh, an industrial designer um, named TJ Eads, who actually owns Rack Hub, if anybody's heard of that. But he's the one that got me into it. Uh, and, you know, he's the, he's the one that gave me the first hit. And then after that, I, he sold me his bow. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was great. I mean, it was, it was exactly what I was looking for. Uh, shooting 100 yards with a bow, is, it's not easy. But I wouldn't say it's difficult either. If you haven't done it, it's not, it's not terribly difficult, but being able to tinker with so much stuff and at such an, an affordable price, you know, you don't have to buy $4 bullets and shoot them. You can buy, uh, you know, relatively inexpensive arrows. As long as they're tuned correctly, uh, you could shoot really good groups, but that's kind of why I got into archery. It's just, um, I shot a little bit and the arrows that I initially got were really bad. and I knew I was shooting better than the arrows were flying and then started, you know, listening to podcasts and doing my own research. Um, like I said, I'm a mechanical engineer in R and D. So that's how I get things. I, we figure everything out ourselves. We start with blank paper and do everything we need to do to get it going. So I started doing homework, listening to podcasts, watching videos, taking everything in that I could, um, just listen to everybody and listen for topics that made sense to me. That, you know, in my mind, mechanically makes sense that the spine of the arrow will affect the accuracy of the arrow. And the spine of the arrow needs to be tuned for a draw weight and a draw length. Um, And so I started messing around with a little bit of that. Like I said, it was relatively inexpensive. And when I started applying some of the stuff that I had figured out um, by either figuring out what sounded good to me or it's just topics that kept coming up, you know, it's like uh, FOC everybody's like, you need to shoot 30% FOC. You, it doesn't matter. You could shoot 0% FC. But when you listen to all the noise, you can really focus in and, and you start hearing a lot of the same numbers. And then you start doing research on it and figuring out what it, it should be or what is, a, as I say, a predictable, uh, predictable tunable arrow. Um, I started messing with that, though. And then the, the groups got tighter and tighter and tighter. And then I shot my first Robin Hood. And I was like, that's awesome. And I shot my second one and I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's cool. And I shot my third and I was pissed and I was like, well, there's, you know, 12 bucks. And then, <laughs> uh, 
I think I've had maybe seven or eight. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to shoot pin knocks now. And those have been saving me a, a lot of money. So well worth the investment there. But yeah, that's, that's kind of it. I got into tuning my own bow and uh, just figuring things out on my own and uh, really, really, really had a good time with it. Learning, it was more primitive than guns too. I mean, you know, learning how to tie D loops, learning how to, how to tie servings and uh, just, I, the, the bow that uh, my friend uh, TJ had sold me, I restrung it within a week of having it with a, uh, just a cable press. And then I went in and told him about it. He was like, you're crazy, dude. I've never done that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe I wasn't supposed to do that. And he's like, well, you have all your fingers. You're fine. But it, it didn't seem like a stretch to me because I'd done all the research on it. You know, it's all out there. Yeah, and well, that mechanical engineering background, man, you got that mind. So, yeah, it's a uh, yeah. People ask it. I kind of got it handed down to me. Like I said, my dad was a, a tool and die maker. Um, my other grandpa was a, a sheet metal worker, but would build all kinds of awesome things. You know, little UFOs and uh, lights and all kinds of crazy little cool grandpa type things and. Uh, really showed me that, you know, you don't need to really know how to do something. You just need to pick it up and give it a try and figure it out. And you can. So that's, that's kind of how I, I mean, that's why I can do what I do and why I can have the profession. I think that I do is just because of those influences. That's awesome, man. So let's get into some arrows, man. Um, I'll let you kind of take the lead on it, right? Weight, speed, spine, um, you know, there's a, I remember a time where it was big, thick, nasty arrows. And, you know, now we're seeing a lot of uh, the SD or the slim shaft, slim diameter arrows. So why don't you just yep. run us through that, man? You know, straightness, just get us into the weeds with that type of stuff. And then we'll take it from there. Sure. Yeah, I'll start with straightness just because that's a, a hot topic with myself and uh, and Michael Batiste. Um, so I sold him a set of arrows and he's been shooting those uh, with his people site. He's been posting a little bit on Instagram with those. Um, and those are 006 arrows. So, um, you know, when they measure the straightness of those, they are the, the, the cheapest ones you can get. But the, the difference is like an 001 and an 006. Um, a human hair is about 0 0.005. So the, the straightness of that arrow between, you know, something that costs $15 and something that costs $8 is about a human hair. And yeah, I, I kind of pride myself on my fletching job and uh, having very little to no glue showing on them and having them just perfectly aligned. And, um, but I know that they're not within a human hair of each other. So there's other things I think that are more critical than the straightness. And I'm, I'm probably the only one that, that really says a lot of that. I think Michael's on board with that as well, but um, I just don't buy into the 001s. And I know there's people that say, I, you know, I can see a difference with 003s versus 006s. Um, and if they can, they can. Uh, but I, it's one of those things where I just can't get over the numbers of it. And I go out and I shoot competitions, 3D competitions with 006 uh, gold tip velocity arrows, just because when I'm shooting 3d, man, I bang these things around and yeah, I, I do stack them on top of each other. And, you know, like we're not supposed to, like I tell people not to do, I do, <laughs> but, uh, 
I go out and I honestly shoot just as good as they do with them. And they're shooting really, really expensive arrows that have the high, high tolerance on them. And I just, I don't buy it. I mean, it's a, it's a good thing. I think that it's, if an arrow manufacturer can say that they're shooting um, or hitting 001 or 003, it kind of is a testament to that arrow manufacturer and, and the uh, ability they have for their quality control and their process control on it. So like I saw a ton of uh, Black Eagle rampages and they come in uh, 001 or 003. Um, but I think they're a great arrow. Um, I sell a ton of Black Eagle rampages. That's what you have. And then uh, a ton of Eastern Axis too. Uh, those are probably my top two that I, I sell just because the components and the weight of the arrow and all that stuff, it fits a lot of people. Uh, gives them a good FOC and all that. But um, another one though is, is, you know, the FOC, the weight and the spine. I kind of, those are the, the three key characteristics. Um, the spine is number one, period. If your spine is off, uh, your arrow will shoot horribly. So if your spine is too weak, that means that it's flexing too much, meaning you either have too much weight up front or the spine is just incorrect for your draw length, your draw weight. Um, I, I kind of explain it to people uh, when I'm talking to them about arrows or uh, they're interested in a, a set of arrows. If you take like a pool noodle, you know, things that kids float around on and you try to push a bowling ball with it. If you hold it at the very back and try to push a bowling ball, it's going to bend and kind of crunch up. That would be too weak of a spine. If you go up to the end of that noodle and you're only pushing with about five inches of it, you could push a bowling ball around with that. So if you have a really long shaft, you need a, a stiffer spine for it. Same thing with weight. If you're pushing a bunch of weight, then uh, you need a, a stiffer spine with it. So if your spine is too weak and you shoot it, that arrow is going to be oscillating or wobbling on the way down to the target. So it's flexing in and out, plus it's rotating. So it's flying wherever that point is kind of directing it. And you'll, like, I'll talk to somebody and I'll, I'll run their numbers and I'll say, yeah, you're, you're too weak. I was like, your groups probably look like this. If you're, if your spine is too weak, meaning it's too flexible, your groups at kind of the longest distance that you can get a good group at are going to be all over the place. It's just a big scattered group. On the other end of that, if your spine is too stiff, this is the dynamic spine. Uh, if your spine is too stiff, then it's basically like shooting a, uh, a bear shaft or an arrow without veins on it. Um, it just doesn't get the correction to it. So you need it to flex a little bit when you shoot it just to get a little bit of the correction. Cause as you let go of that string, that arrow compresses or bends just very slightly. And that allows for that string to go, but the arrow point to stay on, on target and it'll come out of your arrow nice or out of your bow nice and straight. So if somebody, I run somebody's numbers and their, their spine is really, really stiff. I'll say, yeah, you probably get really good groups, but you'll have one or two flyers. They're like, yeah, I really do. You know, it's, it's weird because I'll, and I number them and I can't figure out why one of them is and one of them isn't. And it's because if you have really, really good form, you can shoot a, a, a really stiff spine and get really good groups with it. But, um, it's, it's not ideal for most cases, especially for hunters, because you're not going to get an, an ideal shot. You know, you're not standing on pavement and shooting like you would an indoor tournament or something. So. That's those two. So the, the spine needs to be first and foremost on top of everything. Uh, on top of that, uh, or right after that one, I would say a speed. And 
this is a huge hot topic everywhere. And this is where I talk to people about having a predictable arrow. So when I talk about FOC, I have a certain range in there that I use as a predictable arrow. You could shoot a high FOC, you could shoot a super low FOC, uh, and you could shoot them extremely well. But uh, having a, a nice predictable arrow, one that you know I could give or sell to somebody, is what I try to do. So when I look at speed, I try to get people to at least the 270 range. Um, and the reason for that, anybody that has a, an FOC or momentum or kinetic energy argument, if you ask them um, about shot placement, it's always number one. Oh yeah, well, you got, you got to have the right shot placement. And I think with 270, you get enough of a, uh, I'll say a forgiving arrow that if an animal is at 25 and starts walking away to 30, you need uh, an arrow that is fast enough that it won't drop three feet, you know, in, in those five yards. So 270 seems to be that minimum range where, you know, you're not going to get a ton of drop, especially at the 20 or 30 yard uh, ranges. So I'll, I'll make an arrow that's a little bit lighter to get people, even if they're going to be using it for hunting, I'll make an arrow that's lighter just to have it get that speed. So 270, that is the lower limit. And then 300 is kind of where things get get crazy too. I, uh, I don't know if I'd say it's the terminal velocity of an arrow, 300, because there's people that shoot way over 300 and shoot it very well. But again, it's a predictable, if you could keep it under 300, it's a lot more predictable. So when I'm setting up an arrow and I'm looking at, you know, either uh, a Black Eagle or an Axis or something else, uh, the Black Eagle Rampage is a, is a lighter grain sprinch. Uh, shaft in the the axis um and so if they're shooting too fast so they're shooting close to 300 um then i would put them in the eastern axis to get more weight onto it uh if they're at the end of the spine so you can either you know add weight to the front but if they're already shooting like a 250 spine and they're just it's just too fast for them then i can go over to a heavier arrow to slow it down a little bit uh, slowing it down helps because it gives you a predictable speed range, but it also um, helps just get you to uh, heavier, you know, more kinetic energy, more momentum, uh, just more punch, I guess I would say. But the, that kind of leads into kinetic energy and momentum and all that stuff. And I just let that honestly take care of itself. If you're shooting 270, you have a fast, um, you know, you're, you're pulling enough weight, your arrows at least 350 in that area. I think that you're okay. It's the best you can do. I think slowing somebody down too much to get the momentum or kinetic energy up would just lead to bad shots. Um, you know, if you're, like I said, if you're shooting at 25 yards and an animal walks to 30 and you're, but you're shooting a 500 grain arrow, but you're only shooting at 240, then there's going to be a lot of drop to that. Yeah. So just to back us up real quick, give us a little explanation of front of center or FOC. Sure. Yeah. So front of center is basically it's the percent front of center. And what it, what they look at is they take where the balance point of the arrow is. Um, and you could find that just by, you know, running your finger along and balancing um, the arrow and then measure half the length of the total shaft. So you take your, um, total shaft minus or half the shaft minus the where the front of center is or where the balance point is 
the center of gravity is, and divide it by the total shaft length, and that gives you your percent front of center or your percent front of center. Yes, <laughs> and that's basically just where it is relative to the center of the arrow is a better way to say that, I guess. And that, like I said, I, sh- I, sh- I shoot for predictable ranges. So the lower limit, I would say, is 10%. And my upper limit of a predictable arrow, and it's, it's variable, but I say it's 18%. So I shoot from anywhere from uh, 10 to 18%. And if you're, if you're within that, I think you're good. I've shot 10% and had really good flight. Um, I shoot regularly out to 100 yards. Actually, the, my range, my home range here, not my range at home, but my range that I go to a lot, has a target out to 100 yards. And I told him, I was like, never, ever move that thing. And I'll go out there and shoot groups, 10-inch uh, groups at 100 yards. And I'll shoot in the wind. I'll shoot when it's raining. I'll shoot when it's hot. I'll shoot when it's cold. I'll shoot with full hunting gear on. Um, and I'll shoot different veins. I'll shoot different broadheads. Uh, everything to try uh, just to see, you know, what is affecting any of that. And I've shot 10% and I've shot 18%. And as long as you're in those ranges, I think you're, you're fine on front of center. And again, there's people that shoot super high front of center and have good results. And that's great. I I have no argument for that. It's just when I'm selling somebody an arrow, I'm trying to sell a a very predictable um, arrow for them. So when you're talking builds with somebody right you're getting an ibo speed um yep how does that right when you're when you talk about ibo right it's a set a, a set length i think they're using a 30 or 31 inch arrow um and it's super light right so how does the ibo speed how do you how do you take that number, right? Because at least in my head, it's so far off base of what we're doing, right? If they're saying it's a 340, um, I'm going to say most hunting setups, you're going to see a 280, you know, 280 to 290 range, you know, off the shelf, grabbing an arrow, putting a 125 on it. Um, yeah. So how does that, how does that factor into that, that calculation you make? Sure. So the IVO speed is they take, and this is a really gray area because there's no standard for this. It's not like it's tested anywhere except, you know, it's, it's up to the boat manufacturers to report their IBO. It's not, there's not a, a fixed thing, but the standard is supposed to be um, a 350 grain arrow at 70 pounds with a 30 inch draw. But there are bow manufacturers out there. And I know when somebody calls me and they're like, I have, I'll say X brand bow. I know what to knock the IBO down to get them into a realistic range. Cause I, in my calculations, I, I start a spreadsheet with everybody that I start a build for, they get a huge spreadsheet and I put in the IBO and the draw length and all that stuff. And then in my calculations, I can put in as many different combinations as I want. And so I'll have, you know, an axis, a rampage, a gold tip, uh, a gold tip hunter, a gold tip velocity, a gold tip pierce, a VAP, a VAP TKO, uh, RIP TKO, whatever and be able to see all of the numbers from that, the total weight, the, um, the front of center, the estimated speed, the connect energy, the momentum, all that stuff. But the IBO figures into it again with that 70 pound draw at 30 inches. That's the kind of the rated speed of the bow. So if you have an IBO of 360, that means that it's really going to be 
putting a lot of work into that arrow in that amount of time. So it'll have really aggressive cams on it. If you look at it, uh, sometimes you'll see like a draw force curve. And as you draw back, the line will be a lot more vertical and then it'll go up to a peak and then go across and then drop off. And the area under that curve is the actual work that the bow is going to be doing. Um, and if it's a 360, that's going to be a lot of area under that curve. So it's dumping a lot of energy into that arrow as opposed to like a 310 IBO. And I still have my, my first bow, uh, which was a mission hype. Um, and it's a 310 and I'll go shoot that occasionally just to kind of vary some things on arrows, test some things. And then I'll go shoot. I have a, a Bowtech Realm SS. I'll go shoot that and see what the difference is. So I'll shoot just to figure out where the dynamic spine needs to be um, with those. So does that answer a little bit of the IBO question? Yeah, no, <laughs> no, long. it does. It does. I, okay. I, I really want to make sure, like I said, that the, that the, newer guys are getting something from it right so if we get too yeah. technical and and don't back up then then i feel like they're gonna sure. miss it and i really want to make sure that everybody's getting the best out of it right it's it's good stuff man that like i said there's yeah. so many there, there's just so much information how do you <laughs> how do you get through yeah. the weeds on that mess <laughs> yeah right. and there's a lot of guys out there that that say you know with a lot of dedication they could really believe it that you know this has to be this way but my advice to, to new people is listen to everybody and uh, make sure it makes sense to you and then listen to what repeats. That's a, a good way to do it. But a, a quick, dirty definition of IBO, the higher the IBO, the more aggressive the cams are. The lower the IBO, the less aggressive the cams are. So it's, it's, it's um, like I said, how much work the, the bow is actually going to be doing. So another factor with it... Matter of fact, I saw this on something recently. Somebody was asking, but mm -hmm. you got, you know, I, like for me, I shoot the, I'm shooting a CT5 this year. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if I put that, uh, put that on a scale, draw it back, it's cranked down to 70 pounds. When I put that on a scale with my draw length, um, I'm plus or minus a couple pounds, right? Most bows are. Some are higher, some are lower. How does that affect yeah. that calculation and what you're looking at in those arrows? Um you know, you ask somebody, they say, oh, it's a 70 pound bow. Are you worried about what they're set at when you're calcing these builds or is it, you know, what the bow is capable of? No. So what I do is I get somebody's actual draw weight uh, and draw length. Um, and surprisingly, the draw length is more critical than the draw weight, because if you're pulling 65 pounds, but you're pulling 28 inches, as opposed to somebody that's um, pulling 70 pounds, but they're only pulling 26 inches, that 65 pounds is actually pushing the arrow for three inches longer than the, than the 70 pounds is. Um, so I tell them, and it's, it's pretty critical for the draw length as well, because if their draw length is off and I'm trying to figure out what arrow they could use, and I'm trying to determine the shaft length. I need to know exactly what that is because um, if you get it, if somebody says, well, it's a, and I actually had this happen. A guy told me his draw length was 28 inches or was 27 inches, something like that. And it was, that's what was written on the bow. Well, those, those numbers aren't always right. You really need to get it, it checked and you need to get your, your draw length checked as well. Make sure that, you know, as you draw back that you're, um, you're set up properly. You're not overdrawn. You're not underdrawn. 
get something that's comfortable and then find that number. And that's the number I need because we don't want the arrow to fall off the rest or, uh, you know, I, I need to know what my range is. Like I said, when I'm going through and I'm trying to figure the dynamic spine, if there's a weight up front and I need to stiffen the spine up, um, I'll shorten the arrow. But um, I really want to make sure that everybody's safe and comfortable. And I'll ask people, you know, you have a, a 28 and a half inch draw length. Is it okay if I cut the arrow to 28 inches, which is what yours is? Um, and it, they need to be comfortable with that. And I need to make sure that the bow is comfortable, is able to do that. But the draw weight, if it's within plus or minus three pounds, it's actually not that huge of a deal. Um, but the draw length is, is a lot more critical for both the safety reason and uh, it actually has a lot of influence on it. So yeah, get your draw weight checked, get your draw length checked. Um, if somebody's not sure, I tell them to just go to a bow shop. They'll do it for free. Um, have them pull it, have them put it on draw board and they'll tell you exactly what it is. It's, it's safety first. And then on top of that, you need to get the, the spine right for it. So those are pretty critical. So let's go, man. So geek out on us. Um, let's talk about how you, how you build. Um, yeah. Just go nuts. <laughs> so yeah, man. So it's hard to explain to people. I'm glad that I kind of have a, a little bit of a forum to, to do this, but when I, my process of, of kind of getting into and building everything. Um, so they can first go to my website, uh, dcacustomarrows.com. And then um, I have a shooter information page there that they can fill out all their information. And from that, I get their draw weight, their draw length, and uh, their bow making model so I can get the IPO from it. That'll tell me, again, everything I need to kind of get things set up. I also ask for their current arrow and length and point weight, stuff like that. It's all on the, that page, so I'm not covering it super quick, but um, they'll go through, fill all that in. Um, it does take a while for me to get through all of them, and I, I really apologize for that, but like I said, I, uh, I have a day job uh, that requires a lot of attention. No and excuses, I need to- <laughs> man. Get those damn arrows out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I wish I could do it full-time, man. This That would be great, but... Uh, I do love my job. I like what I do. I, I work with some really good people. Um, and I work with some people that aren't good. I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, I, I, I have to do that. So I, I do that. Then I have two sons uh, and a wife and uh, family first. You know, if my I have a rule. If my son comes and asks me, you know, to, to do something, I stop what I'm doing and I go do it. So when he comes walking in and he wants to watch Scooby-Doo, man, I'm watching Scooby-Doo with him. But uh, hey, that's right. They fill out, so back to the story, they fill out the, the shooter information page. From that, I'll get uh, a really good idea on their setup. Um, I'll get through those. Like I said, I get through them as quick as I can, but it, it might take me a week or two to get through them, honestly. I have about seven or eight right now I need to get to. But uh, I like spending the time with them. I want to make sure I do everything right. And I, if I start hurrying through the stuff, then it's not helping anybody. You know, They're getting bad arrows. I'm getting... I'm not producing good parts. And so uh, it, it just takes time. And if it's, uh, if it's something that somebody needs quick, um, you know, make a note of it on there and I'll try to, to do what I can. Um, but so they'll fill that out. I'll get all that information. I'll run through, usually do kind of a quick analysis of all their stuff, figure out what's going on. If their spine's too weak or um, too stiff or, you know, they're not shooting 
a speed that I think is a, is a predictable speed. I don't want to say good or right because I'm just saying predictable. Um, or the front of centers really low or really high. And if they want to shoot really, really fast, I have a guy that I'm meeting with uh, here locally tomorrow that wants to shoot 340 feet per second. And I'm like, yeah, we could do that, dude. But uh, your you know, results may vary. <laughs> but yeah, if somebody wants to shoot a super high front of center, then we can do that. Uh, I just built an arrow. I haven't posted this one, um, but I built an arrow uh, that was 670 grains. I was talking to you earlier about it. And it's like, you know, 15 or 16% uh, front of center. And uh, it is a beast, but that thing will be coming out at 270 feet per second. And it's spined correctly. So uh, the guy's going to be hunting hogs with it. And he's like, what do you think it'll do to a hog? And I was like, I think it'll kill the hog and it, it's entire family. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a hit. Oh man, that's where you're going to see. I, so uh, I'm a tangent real quick. So when you talk about yeah. arrows, right, and and you start looking at, you know, momentum, kinetic energy, right, when you look at the dispersal of that energy on impact, right, is that's something that we want a, a round to do coming out of a bullet. Um, for an arrow, we necessarily don't want that dispersion of energy. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, right, I'm talking to the engineer here. Um, <laughs> we want it to keep traveling, you know, through that animal. So yes. With that, <laughs> with that heavy of yeah. an arrow, man, I think he's gonna have some. Uh, he's gonna have some bullet-like effects, man. On, on that, hog. I agree. <laughs> yeah, it, in his case, kinetic energy is gonna come into play. Oh, I think that man. it's, uh, you know, that that initial cavity that's created from a bullet on impact. I think he might have some of that as well. But it's uh, the, the most important thing too, on top of you know having your spine correct and having all that stuff, is having an extremely sharp broadhead um you know you could try to push a bowling ball into people always talk well i'd rather you know shoot a deer with a bowling ball than with a feather you know something like that but it's uh make sure that you're cutting good and and you could go through about anything you know if you have a super super sharp blade on the front of that then you're good and he's going to be shooting a, an iron wheel on that thing so i know it'll be sharp and it'll be uh it'll be cutting all the way through but i i, I told him i was like man stack a couple please on your first shot stack a couple bags you know, one in front of the other, because I don't know what's going to stop this thing. You know, you're, 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 I've seen arrows that were, that, that thing weighed twice as much. In fact, when I shipped it, my shipping cost on that was like 11 bucks. <laughs> and normally it's like nine, <laughs> but it's just the extra weight that those things had was, uh, was crazy. And so, it, so yeah. And that's just a heavy arrow, right? So we kind of touched on it earlier uh, before we started recording. He doesn't have a super high FOC or anything, right? No. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, a regular, you know, kind of 15% uh, front, of, front of center on that one. Patrick Crowbridge is that guy's name. He's on he's on Instagram too. I'll give him a little shout out. But yeah, so I'm looking at his build right now. Like I said, I keep a spreadsheet of everybody's, of everybody's build. So uh, he is, uh, by the numbers, it's 664 grains. Uh, it came out to about 670, which is glue and stuff like that. Uh, and then his grains per pound was about 8.52. And for a nice quiet bow, you kind of want to have it around six. Uh, that's another number that I kind of just look at. It's not a super important one. His front of center was 16. Estimated speed was 270. Kinetic energy. His kinetic energy was 108. And just for reference, uh, let's reference, see what yours was. Yeah, I was going to say reference mine. Yeah, so 
his kinetic energy was 108 and his momentum was, was 0.80. So that's 108 uh, foot pounds and it's 0.8 slug feet per second, which I know everybody's familiar with, but uh, yours was your kinetic energy. His was 108. Is that what I said? Yeah. Yours is 80. Yours is 80. And that's, Yours is good. 80 is great. Dude, I'm and, um, and mine are punching. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like I said, it's going to kill this hog's family and, you know, everything else. <laughs> He's going to have bloodshot meat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My kinetic energy is 75. I'm a, I'm a tall, skinny dude, so I, I have a good draw length, but I'm only pulling like 63 pounds. But I, I shoot, I go to the range and I shoot for uh, three to four hours at a time. And just experimenting with different things. Like I said, I shoot different veins. I shoot uh, different shafts. I, a big thing. And if anybody out there kind of wants to get into the tuning bows and tinkering and finding out what, what works for them, um, it's kind of a John Dudley trick. So I have to give him credit for a lot of this. But uh, what Dudley says is to add three pounds or subtract three pounds from your bow to uh, – see if you know because when you subtract the weight from it it'll stiffen the arrow when you add the weight to it it'll uh, make your arrow weaker what i what i tell people is get especially when i get a lot of questions from people because i could tell how technical somebody is by the questions they ask by the the gear they shoot uh, by the information they give me but everybody shoots like a 100 grain field point get like 75 grain field points and then get 125 grain field points screw those on the end and then shoot groups as far as you could get a good group. So I can regularly group a decent group at 60 yards enough that I could tell something's off. And so I'll shoot, uh, like I said, I'll shoot my slower bow. I'll shoot my, my Bowtech realm SS, um, and shoot those with the different spines on them and, or the different weights in the front to adjust the spine to say, Oh, I wonder if I, you know, if I went with a little bit stiffer spine, I could do this. And then when you find out, you know, that you could shoot, yeah, if I had a stiffer spine, <coughs> excuse me, if I had a stiffer spine, I shoot better groups with that. Well, great. Then, you know, on your next set of arrows, let me know that. Or, I mean, you don't have to buy them through me. If you shoot better with a 20, with a 75 grain field point over your current hundred point, if you can take an inch off your arrow, take a half inch off your arrow <coughs> and, uh, and shoot that, and that's a better setup for you. Uh, on the other end, or I'm sorry, if you if you shoot a 75 grain, that's a stiffer arrow. So you, yeah, take an inch off, take a half inch off you can. If you shoot 125 grains, that means that a weaker arrow works better for you. So add an inch or add a half inch to your next set, and you'll shoot better. Uh, I, I've talked to a bunch of different guys about that, and they've all had the, the same success and, and done well with, with being able to do that. So... A little tuning trick there. Yeah, and it's easier to just to switch field points rather than, you know, cranking three pounds of your bow and all your stuff. Yeah, so with with that setup you have me, I mean, I've taken them out to 100, and I'm probably shooting, I'm shooting somewhere between an 8 and a 10-inch group consistently with them. Um, yeah. The hardest part... I just find myself nervous with them, man. Um, it, it, that's the only downside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I just find myself nervous after I Robin Hood at that one and then, you know, pierced a couple of the uh, fletching. 
it's just yeah it's crazy but i'm big on watching my arrow in flight and i will say from from what i was shooting the last two manufacturers to what you set me up with and how those are shooting the flight is just archery is just a beautiful thing to me anyway that sounds flipping cliche right but to watch the arrow in flight is just something phenomenal um oh yeah man i completely agree so to watch uh, that thing spin as tight as it's spinning, uh, it just oh man, it's mind blowing. I've I've been enjoying yeah. the heck out of it. <laughs> That's good. I agree with you though, man. It's uh, you go out and you could have a, a horrible day, and you go out and you fling a few arrows, and things make a lot more sense. And I think it forces you to slow down. It forces you to focus on something else. And you know if it's something that you love, but it, it requires enough focus. Uh, I, I ride mountain bikes and uh, that requires a lot of focus. If you don't, you hit a tree. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's going out, it's shooting. It's great. It's good times. And shooting a hundred yards is, you know, uh, people suffer from target panic occasionally and everybody goes through it. I've, I've had it too, where I, I, I was holding low on a, a target and I never could get my bow up to do it. But if you, a little trick that I do, it might not work for everybody else, but shooting at a hundred yards is, is awesome because, you're not expecting great results. You're just expecting good results. So when you take all that pressure off of you from stacking arrows at 20 to, you know, I'm just trying to hit the target at a hundred, it breaks that. And it kind of brings that fun back to it. And it really works on your form too. Uh, you know, you, you figure things out and when you're not trying to shoot uh, a dime at, at 20 yards, you know, and you're shooting a bigger target, it, it breaks that target panic. At least it does for me. Yeah. So for me, I don't even... Like I'll, I'll shoot at 20 just because I need to. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, just, yeah. It, I don't want, and I'm not trying to sound arrogant or sounding, it's just pointless in, in my opinion. Oh yeah. Right. I agree. The bow, the technology with the bow and the arrows, it's going to hit the mark. Right. I mean, you have to yeah. be doing something horribly wrong um, at 20 yards, not to, not to hit a dime or a quarter size, right? And no offense to anybody yeah. that, you know, is struggling with it or learning. I'm just, for me. Um, so yeah. I prefer to start, I usually start off at, you know, the 60 yard mark and uh, I'll work back and forth from 60 yards. Um, and part of that is, is I don't like to start low fatigue and I'm the same way. I'll go and I'll spend three, four, five hours shooting. I don't want to start on a low, you know, a low uh, yardage and then work my way back and then by the time I get back to, you know, 60, 70, 80 yards, I got, you know, I don't know. You're tired. A hundred, you know, a hundred shots under my belt. I'm tired. I'm fatigued. My bow arm is tired. I'm all over the place. So then that starts to add to that, you know, that target panic, man. I, you know, that pin starts to float even oh, more. Oh, yeah. There's no coming oh, back yeah. from that, right? And I hate to leave the range on a bad note. That is the yeah. <laughs> worst, man. The worst. Yeah. You know, especially. But that's a, a good tip for for sure, man. Yeah. When you got a big hunt coming and you're like you, like you do, uh, you know, and I want pictures of that hunt. You got to send me. Oh, heck yeah. Well, you'll get pictures this weekend or next weekend, next weekend. I'll Good. be in Oregon for that, uh, for that, uh, Northwest mountain challenge, man. So I'll be flying them up there. Awesome. Yeah. That's a, a, a good tip for people too, that are just starting. Um, especially like when you come out of the winter and you, if you haven't shot a lot, you go back out you know, go shoot, don't shoot for a long time. Don't hurt yourself. But once you get going and, and your, your muscles are warmed up again, 
I go out and I shoot and then until I start breaking down and then to notice what is happening. My thing is I start kind of collapsing down. So I start like bending over and, you know, kind of hunching up and closing up. And now that I'm aware of what I'm doing, like as soon as I start getting tired and I start shooting bad, I can, I know what to correct for. And if you kind of push through that again, not hurt yourself, but just get that stamina back, you can really figure a lot of things out. One of the things that I like to do is just single shots, right? Is just go out and and just pull one, right? I'll put one in the quiver, you know, and I'll pull it out the hip and fire one and whatever it is, hundred yards, I'll walk down, I'll pull that one out, I'll walk all the way back and just, you know, and I, and it, it, excuse me, it allows me to focus on my shot process as I walk back up and down, right? I see that I'll, I'll glass, I'll go through my binoculars and I'll go, okay, I was here. What did I do? And then the whole way down, I'm thinking about it and the way back, I'm thinking about correction. Um, yeah. And the I other thing that does too is it keeps you from pulling, you know, shooting too many arrows and hurting yourself. Right. Um, well, it, it keeps, you know, if I have a bad shot, it keeps me away from frustration is, is yeah. what I, you know, for me, that's what I have to do is stay away from, like I said, walking away on a bad note. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't care how many times you go the range. If you leave on a bad note, the next time you go, I don't care if it's a week later, what, you know, oh damn, when I was here last week, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's oh, what, yeah. You don't remember oh, yeah. that yeah. you were, that you were diamond the other, you know, 300 shots you took. It's those few bad ones that you're going to walk up and remember. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it, it'll come rushing back and that will be in your head instead of the, the pin. The, the other thing I do, uh, another kind of tip for some, like you said, we're trying to get some ideas for the, the newer guys, but if I'm not shooting well is to, when I look at my pin, I don't pretend that's the pin. I pretend that's the back of the knock. And so I just look, look through my peep, look at my site. And then as I'm getting ready to shoot, all I think of is I'm looking at the result. And so I just look at it and I figure, I think, I think that is where I shot that at. And then I'll just slowly pull. Uh, I actually shoot a wrist release. I have a, another one too, but, um, I just slowly pull and I'm like, that's where the knock is. And just, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm looking at the result instead of the, the beforehand. Huh. That, I never, and, yeah, I never considered that. That's pretty. Yeah. Did you want me to keep going through the process? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Sorry man. I told you <laughs> I'm going to tangent us. <laughs> hey man, I, I have no problem. I, uh, I'll have people call me and I'll talk to them for like an hour about arrows. I did the same thing with uh, Michael. I was uh, in uh, one of our plants uh, down in Tennessee and I had a seven hour drive back and he messaged me and said, Hey, you know, do you have a second to talk? And I was like, man, I got seven hours. To talk. <laughs> <laughs> so I, on the, on the drive back, I, I talked to him quite a bit and uh, he's a really interesting guy. He's got a lot of really good knowledge, a lot of good, you know, good stuff going on there for sure. I'm looking forward to, uh, getting to know him better and getting more of the, the hunting experience for him to incorporate more into my stuff. But anyway, so get all the information from everybody. Um, after I, I have their information, um, like I said, it might take a, a week or hopefully less than that to get back to them, but I'll run their numbers. I'd spend the time with it, um, figure out what I think that they, they need to do. Um, and some people I'll tell them you have a great setup. I wouldn't change anything. Um, if you want some new arrows, I'm, I'm here. And if not keep shooting them cause you'll shoot them great. Um, but I'll tell them, you know, you're, you're weak, you're, uh, too stiff, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
I'll ask them if they want to stick with the same arrows that they have. Cause I know, you know, you really don't want to change especially if it's a, a, like they're shooting a four millimeter injection, they don't want to switch to a giant diameter arrow. You know, they have to change the rest or they have to change their uh, D loop position or something like that. So, you know, try to keep the, the changes down. Cause I know if they're contacting me, um, they might not have the ability to be able to change that stuff. So I, uh, ask them that, find out what they can change or what they can't, uh, present them with some options, uh, talk through everything, make sure that I know what their intentions are. So if, you know, Hey man, I'm just going to go shoot 3d or I'm just going to shoot targets with this. Then let's build a super fast arrow and not, you know, really worry about weight or anything like that. But if they're, or if they're, you know, a little bit of a, a white tail hunter, then, um, you know, it doesn't need to be a super heavy arrow or anything. It's not critical. Um, and how far they'll be shooting is important too. So if they're shooting like here in Indiana, you don't shoot much more than, uh, 20 to 30 yards, uh, just because there's, no open spaces and uh you know you're shooting in pretty dense trees usually versus if they're going to be out west and they need something a little faster and that kind of thing and i like i said i don't have a ton of hunting experience but uh mathematically i know what what works you need speeds and i can figure out a, a build for you that will get you the speed that you need and i get a lot of information from them you know hey i, I need to be able to shoot further which means you know they need a little bit more speed or uh you know, I, I shoot this far and I've never had any problems with it. Okay. Let's add some more weight to it and build it up, uh, just to, to get as much, uh, momentum and kinetic energy as we can. Um, uh, so anyway, I get a lot of information from them, uh, on that and then, uh, give them some kind of pricing information and kind of how things work. Uh, I also ask them about wraps. And so, uh, that's the, the part of the, the, uh, company that I never thought that I would be doing, but man, I really like doing it. Uh, I don't get a lot of artistic creative, uh, other than just with my designs at work, which I think are, are artistic and creative, but like just the, something that looks nice. I don't do a lot of, so I get to go through and, you know, ask them what your, do you have a company that you're going to be representing or do you have a, a little, uh, you know, you and your two buddies have a hunting group. Um, those are my favorite because man, they're, you could just see and hear the passion and, Oh man, you know, me and my buddies, we got this little thing going and, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're like a straight eight is one, the straight eight killers, which is, uh, Captain Bill is, uh, one of my repeat customers and a crazy guy. Uh, really, really fun to talk to him and hear some of his stories, but you know, they have all these little hunting groups. I'll put that on the wraps, put their names on it. And then it's like, you know, they got their, they got their arrows. It's their custom arrows with their group and their name on it. So. That's pretty cool. So I'll design a wrap form kind of based on their input. Uh, some people will be like, I, I don't know what I want on it. Uh, and I'm like, well, what's your favorite color? You know, what, give me something What's your bow colors and then go from that. And then I have a, a camo pattern that I can make pretty much any color. So that one is, uh, I use that a little bit. Um, I'll match like the colors on the arrows, uh, like yours are shooting the rampage. And so I have that red that's in the red of the rampage. And that's really a, a true custom cool look uh, to match the colors of the arrow. So we'll get that all done. Uh, get the wraps going. Um, I'll review everything on the build with them and talk to them about it. If they're interested, some guys just, uh, you know, they're hunters and they focus on the hunt and I take care of their arrows and I'm just their arrow guy. Uh, I've had guys call me from a bow shop 
they were buying a new bow and they're like, what do I need on this bow or what, what should I change? Or, you know, will the arrows work for this bow? What, what should I change? And so I'll, I'll no, you're fine. You know, I'll run some numbers for them real quick or something and, um, get things cleaned up for them and then just take care of their arrows. They worry about the hunt and that there's tons of time. Um, like I said, the guy that got me into it, it has been kind of my initial guide into hunting and there's tons to focus in on that. And if, if the arrow stuff is not interesting to them, they got other things, they got families, they got jobs. It's just not something they're interested in. That's great, man. I'll, I'll build them. They'll fly great and I'll take care of everything for them. Other guys, they want to know all the details and they want to know why I did something or why I went one way and not another way. I'm more than happy to, to nerd out and talk to them about that. So, uh, so we go through figuring out what works for them. And then I go through, uh, order up all the arrows, order up all the components, all that stuff. Um, I'm not a dealer or sponsored by any bow manufacturer or any arrow manufacturer or anything. So I, I can get whatever I want. I buy it for about the, you know, the same price that everybody else does. I know like good places to buy them from and that's about it, but I don't get any breaks on anything. And then, um, uh, I'll go through, build everything up. Um, I do a lot that I probably don't need to. So like the ID of the arrow, um, I'll rough up the, uh, where the area where the insert goes. Um, I use a, a pretty complicated tool called a wood screw and, uh, <laughs> just, just rough up that, that ID because the, the way they make these arrows, they have a, uh, a mandrel or a highly polished steel, you know, bar and they wrap the uh, carbon around that and then they slide it off. And when they wrap it around that, it gets a really, really polished, and uh, I say ID, inner diameter. So the, the center of the arrow is really polished. And if you try to put any glue or epoxy or, uh, you know, see a glue or anything like that on it, um, it doesn't stick. It, it's the same thing as, uh, you know, trying to paint that surface. So I've, uh, taken arrow scraps and roughed them up with my, my super technical wood screw and, uh, you know, break that surface to figure out how much I need to kind of work on those to get that surface rough enough that won't affect the, the arrow. Because when I push the insert in there, it basically is solid in that point anyway. So rough that up. Um, and then I also rough up the inserts. So I, uh, just use a little piece of sandpaper, uh, do the same thing, make it a surface that you could paint is kind of what I look for. And then um, I have multiple adhesives that I use uh, to hold those in there, uh, depending on like if it's a black eagle or if it's a gold tip, the inserts are different. The black eagle is a, there's not a lot of room for a lot of glue and a, a gold tip, there's tons of room for glue in there. So I use uh, different glues for those. Do you geek out on the glue pattern? Uh, not really, because when you, when you push it in, you lose I'll say it. Not re- I, I'll say not really, but it's like, oh yeah, I was going to say, I say not really, but it's like, I geek out so much on everything else that it's like, um, well, I do, but not, <laughs> not as much as everything else, I guess. But no, I put enough on there and I know um, I make sure I get good coverage on it and then, uh, you know, push those things on, uh, wipe up the extra. And, you know, like I said, if, if you do this a lot, and I, like I said, I just started my 51st set this year. Um, if you do this a lot, you kind of get, oh, I know how to do this and how this glue will react and how much time I have and blah, 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 and how to clean it and not have a bunch of glue all over the place. So I do all that stuff. Get get the uh, inserts in there really well. 
Um, and then uh, wrap it. So I'll take the back. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll go through and actually uh, figure the spine. So I kind of have my own proprietary way to, to figure the spine. I haven't seen anybody else do it the way that I do it. Um, but it's, I go through, I do that. I'll mark the arrow. So when somebody gets, and I think I have some pictures on my Instagram of this. I know I do. So I'll go through and mark it with a, a, a white marker, a paint pen, mark the spine. And then when I do the wrap, all my wraps have a little mark on them as well. And you can see this on my Instagram page, but there's a little gray mark in the back. And when I wrap it, uh, I wrap it so that, that the two marks line up. So I kind of, yeah, they're spine, they're, the arrows are spine aligned. Um, when I cut them, I actually square it as I cut them. So I made my own arrow saw. Um, and instead of what I hate is seeing the, the arrow saw, they put the back in and then they pivot the arrow in and cut it. Uh, and then you have to square the end of it after that. And it just, that's an extra step. So mine, um, when I cut them, I'm actually rotating them as I cut them. And then I cut it off. There's actually on my, I have a horrible YouTube page that has just very small videos on it, but cut them and then I keep rotating it and that squares the end of it. And then, um, like I said, rough up the inside, rough up the insert, push everything together. Um, and then, uh, do my spine alignment, mark the spine on the arrow. And then as I wrap it, the line that's on the wrap will align to the spine mark. And then I fletch off of that mark on the wrap. So when you get it, it's, there's order to how everything is built. You know, the, um, uh, all the veins will be in exactly, exactly the same place on the wrap every time. Um, if I wanted to, I could get the labels of the arrows to line up with the wraps too, but I'm more interested in getting that spine alignment correct. So you have a really good, consistent, uh, arrow to arrow, uh, set. But so, why don't we talk about the the spine alignment a little bit um, and why that's important with that consistency, right? Because, I mean, you start talking about your spine alignment, um, your weight, the um, straightness. I mean, there's all – there's a plus or minus to all of it, right? Um, so why, yeah. is, why is all that stuff important? Yeah, so how the arrow comes out of your bow, um, you know, when it's – how that flex occurs and where, how that, how that flex occurs and how it's orientation as it comes out is really important to have really, really consistent arrows. Um, I, I really don't want to get into it because, you know, without the, the 13 secret spices or whatever it is, it's just fried chicken. <laughs> um, but so having those alignment and having a good consistent arrow to arrow, you don't want arrows that are, are shooting all over the place. Um, and it's fun to shoot those groups, man. I got to get you Robin hunting a few arrows. Yeah. It's but, painful as hell. <laughs> I spin all my arrows too, to make sure that, you know, the, the points are, are correct and they're spinning, uh, true. Um, and if it's, like I said, if, if even with 006 arrows, uh, if the ends square, they're going to spin relatively the same. And, and, honestly really good um i was trying to think i, I don't want to name a man, any manufacturers but i've seen some that don't spin as well um and it's just because of the probably just the aero quality kind of thing but everything that i build with is is really 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 good um 
and, and really consistent. You can go out and shoot arrows. Um, like I said, after I built the arrow completely, I go through and uh, twist the veins. And so this is on my horrible YouTube page too, but you twist the veins and uh, get everything, uh, you know, uh, get the, get all the veins, make sure they're going to stay on. I actually go through then and, and pull on all three or four of the veins, make sure that they're on there really well. And then I weigh them. So I weigh each and every arrow. And then I also number each and every arrow. So, uh, you know, if you're shooting and you could try to see if one is off or not, but usually because of the spine alignment, because of the consistency with the builds, um, because of the consistency and the accuracy of the, the vein placement, they're going to fly really, really true and, and uh, really group nicely. And and the speed, I mean, I ran mine, all 12 of them through my chrono, um, and my speed was right there. I mean, it was it was consistent, man. It was probably the most consistent dozen that, that I've seen in a long, long time. Um, yeah, I'm looking at yours right now, and the, the set that I just sent you uh, has a variation your heaviest arrow is like 336.6 and your lightest arrow, this is looking at it quick, is 335.3. So you have a grain difference between 12 arrows. Right, which is going to mean hardly anything speed-wise. And then I, those right. are what I'm sitting at. I think I'm sitting at a 16% FOC on those. Uh, 15.7. 15. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Six, I'm sorry, man. I forgot. <laughs> I can't round up. So, those are all, no, you got it. Uh, those are all, you know, calculated in numbers and it's all, you know, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like, well, you know, if you don't hunt, you don't know and da da da. But, um, yeah, I, I hit your speed pretty good. And like I said, I know, of, I know the bow manufacturers that, uh, kind of don't tell the, the whole truth about their IBO speed, but I hit Michael Batista's. I was in three feet per second or something. I think he was giving me a hard time about it that, you know, you said this was going to be, you know, 270 and it's 273 or something I, like that. I like, did the same know. thing. <laughs> <laughs> you probably did. I did the same you guys thing. give me such a hard time, man. And, uh, I mean, okay. So, so let's put it in perspective, right? Um, you know, you got, you got Michael Batiste. He's been, you know, hunting elk for, well, not just elk, but that's, you know, that's what Mike's known for. Um, yeah. 30 years has like something like a 27, <laughs> 27 to 30 batting average, you know, over those years. I mean, this guy is yeah. a wealth of elk information as far as I'm concerned. He's pretty GD unbiased when it comes to looking at things and scrutinizing them. Um, He's shooting an 006 and looking at his post and, and hearing, you know, what he's saying about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, exactly. You know what I mean? So, yeah, if somebody's saying, oh, this guy doesn't hunt or whatever, yeah, I, I would trust a guy geeking out um, with that background before I'm going to trust, you know, it just about anybody else with all the information and knowledge you've gained, you know, just that, that, mathematical break it down build it up mine man is uh yeah yeah and I, I think that it gets you know i knowing how to hunt and knowing where to hunt and like all the information that that uh, michael has man i mean 
there's no way that you could put any of that into a formula or something and be able to calculate everything. So to free up his mind to, 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 uh, to use that information and even more to, to share all that information with people. That's awesome. You know, you get, get him doing his thing and uh, kind of farm out what the other parts of it and let the arrow nerd do what he does. (laughs) That's it, man. That's it. So is there a balance, right? So if a guy calls is sort of like me, right? Um, Hey, I'm, I'm planning on hunting elk and I hunt pig and I hunt Turkey and I hunt mule deer and I hunt blacktail. Is there a one size fits all build? Cause you get a lot of guys and, and, and a lot of elk guys, they, it has to be this weight. It has to be this FOC. Um, it's just not, you know, but what's that all around? Like, what's that formula? Is there a formula? Yeah, that my thing is, uh, the spine has to be correct. Number one period. Um, two would be the speed and it, I see it as a, like a four or five legged stool, honestly. So it's, Spine is number one and first and foremost, uh, speed needs to be at least 270. That's kind of my, again, I'm, there's a lot of people out there that will disagree with me on that, but it's, it's more of a, to have a good predictable arrow. I'm building a predictable arrow for people. So 270 on the speed, uh, the front of center 10 to 18. Um, when you get over 18, it, it just gets a little weird. People will shoot more than that and they'll shoot it great. But again, I'm trying to shoot a or sell a predictable arrow. And then um, after that, I would say I just try to make it as heavy as I can, but keep that speed, have that front of center where it should be. Um, and then keep the speed for me, keep the speed under 300. And there'll be people that shoot over 300 that shoot it well. But I would say keep the speed between 270 and 300, the FOC between 10 and 18%. And then uh, the rest of it, I would let it fall where it may. I mean, if you're shooting that speed, you'll have good shot placement. So the, the total weight isn't super critical, but it should be as high as it could. Uh, if, you're, if you call me and tell me you're going to be shooting elk, pigs, whitetail, blacktail, uh, all that kind of stuff, I would definitely try to get uh, a higher weight or as high of a weight as I could. If you tell me that you're going to be shooting, you know, 80 yards for an elk, then we might need to get that speed up a little bit just to see and help with the shot placement so that you don't have a ton of drop. You know, if it's, if you're going to be shooting 50 yards and the elk turns and walks again, 60 yards away from you, you don't want it to drop three feet. So it's a balancing act, but the biggest thing is, you know, having a, a good shooting arrow, a consistent shooting arrow. So you get that with a spine alignment, you get that with the, having a good dynamic to static spine uh, relationship there. And then um, the, the other parts of it, man, will fall where they will. Um, I look at different, go ahead. I was going to say, well, I mean, with all that being said, right. Yeah. It doesn't matter if the shooter's not spending the time behind that, uh, behind that peep site. I mean, we could do all that, but none of it matters without shooter time so exactly you, yeah right, you could build the yeah. what what you know may be the best arrow in the world to someone it doesn't mean diddly if you know they're not out there shooting and, and honing that skill i just want to make that clear i don't want somebody to oh, hear and think you know i'm gonna call kyle yeah. at dca because i'm gonna be this badass you know slayer now not the yeah. case 
no, you, you need to put the time behind the bow and, and, uh, enjoy that time. I mean, it don't try not to think of it as work, go out and, and have a good time, shoot super long distances, do, do something different, uh, to keep it fresh and interesting. You know, it, there's nothing wrong with doing that. If you could shoot really good groups at a hundred yards, you're going to shoot really, really good groups, uh, shorter ranges and your, your form will be better too at shorter ranges. Um, but yeah, you, you got to get that time in there behind the string and, um, just enjoy that time. It's worth it. And you owe it to whatever you're going to, I mean, you're, you're taking the life of an animal, you know, you want, you want to make sure that you're doing everything and you're prepared as much as you can. But, uh, on top of that, I had a guy actually, uh, send me a message today that said he'd never shot a 50 yard pin. And I was like, you've never shot at 50 yards. And he said, no, I've never had groups like this that I could shoot. I've never been able to shoot like this at 50 yards. And I was like, no, you're, you can shoot at 50 yards. Uh, it was the arrow that was holding you back. So you are a good shooter. Now you have an arrow that will allow you to be a good shooter. But if you're not a good shooter to start with, these arrows will not, you know, they're not meat missiles. <laughs> not working off a radar or anything. So yeah, exactly. let's talk a little component stuff, man. Uh, helical, yeah. offset, straight, um, this vein versus that vein. Um, what? What's your preference? Why is it your preference? Um, I don't, you know, say brands, don't say brands, doesn't matter to me. Sure. Um, I was shooting I don't mind. lasers yeah. until, you know, um, until this build, and now I'm shooting the Max Hunters. Um, mm -hmm. Whether it's really making a difference for what, you know, for for me and how I shoot, I don't know. Um, I like how yeah. the sons of bitches look, right? Cause <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's right, man. A lot of times that's, and just being honest about it, a lot of times that's what it amounts to, right? Is, man, that looks badass, right? I just want it because it looks good. Um, yeah, and that's, that's a huge thing. Sorry. Do it. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, when it comes to an arrow, I mean, we have to focus on it a little bit more. We can't, you know, just focus on that. But, I mean, a lot of times shit the last two bows i bought all oh, that looks bad i'm buying it you know after i shot it of course yeah. but that's really what drew me to the rack was i liked how it looked but anyway yeah uh, another tangent so helical offset straight man uh, <laughs> and veins what you got yeah so uh i'll start with the helical offset and straight and all that stuff um i do have a helical jig here um i usually shoot or I usually build with a, a straight jig on it though. And I just put as much uh, twist as I can get on it. So I basically max out my, I, I fletch everything of course by hand with the bits uh, and uh, the bits and burger. And uh, I usually use my, my straight uh, clamp, which actually produces an offset. And I put as much as I can. Uh, it's usually somewhere around three degrees. Um, you want that thing spinning though. You want to give it a direction. Uh, of rotation to keep everything moving on that. You know, it's, it's like a football. If you, you throw a football down any, any spin on it, it's just going to kind of knuckleball around. And that's the same thing an arrow is going to do. So I, I try to put as much as I can on that. Um, uh, three and four fletch. A lot of people ask me about that. Um, I tell people to run three if they can. Um, but if they like the looks of four, or they, they shoot, they feel like they shoot four well, or they do shoot four well then, you know, go for it. Uh, Jay met with the Cong or Jonathan Metcalf. I forgot his right, his name, right. I call him Jay met, but, um, I think that uh, it's Instagram world, man. That's how everybody knows. Yeah. Everybody. You can walk up to some dude. Yeah, you know exactly. I 
Yeah. Uh, he shoots four, uh, and he shoots it great. So shoot it, shoot four, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it, if, if you're a good shot and you practice, uh, enough, you don't just bust your bow out, you know, once a, a, a season, uh, you could shoot three fine. Um, especially with some helical on them. If you buy uh, pre-fletched arrows, usually they come completely straight on the arrow. And the reason they do that is because it's very, very easy to do that in just a production environment. So they can just roll the arrows through the veins, stick to it, and out they go. If you try to put a, any helical or offset to that, then it complicates that production process. And honestly, the veins don't do much if they're perfectly straight on there, unless you're shooting like a lot of indoor guys I know will, will shoot straight veins or close to it. Uh, you know, they look at like one, one degree or something like that. But um, I put as much as I can, again, usually three or four. Um, and then vein selection. So this is a, a good topic. Uh, I'm, I, don't, I don't think it's any secret. Uh, Bill put from Iron Will posts a lot of my stuff. Um, and we're buddies. Bill is a huge... I mean, he is an engineer. I, I, being an engineer, I can smell out, uh, people that are not technical and Bill is extraordinarily technical. We geek out a lot about, uh, arrows and veins and, um, anything to fly with his, his broadheads. And what I found, um, shooting out to a hundred yards, uh, and, and getting and even shorter than that, but it, it's amplified at a hundred yards is, and I, this is from my experience. I apologize if anybody has anything different, but um, getting a vein that's at least a half inch tall really helps um, to be able to guide that broadhead. If you have anything shorter than that, um, and there's X veins and things like that that are shorter than that, but um, if you're not at least a half inch, then it just doesn't work as well. And I have a theory on why that is. So if, um, if the broadhead is in front of the arrow and it's, you know, knocking all the wind out of the way, I don't think that the, it's not getting clean air. It's getting disturbed air from behind that broadhead. That's my theory. And it, it just based on seeing that a lot. So a blazer, I call the blazer like the Cadillac or the, the I'm sorry, the civic of, of veins. It works all the time. It works great. It has for years. Uh, it's not the sexiest one out there. It's not the newest, craziest thing, but man, they're awesome. They fly great. Uh, they steer a broadhead great. Um, they're a, just a little bit noisy and noise is a, an interesting thing. I set my phone up and I videotaped myself shooting from a hundred yards, but I set it on top of the target and I was shooting blazers and I was shooting uh, max hunters and trying to see which one was the loudest or the quietest and et cetera, et cetera. And I'd seen videos where people shoot over their phones or over some sort of sound uh, measuring instrument. And as it goes over, you hear it. It's like, Oh, that one's different. And that one's different. But when you set it at the target, it's not as apparent. So like um, I could hear my bow at a hundred yards. I could hear my bow release. I have a fairly quiet bow, uh, but I could hear it release. And then I could hear that like an inch a second before the arrow hit. So, <coughs> excuse me. And so, uh, blazers, max hunters <coughs> all shoot really, really well. <coughs> excuse me. 
shoot really well with the broadheads. Um, they're about the same noise, but it comes down, like you were saying, a lot of people like to look at the Max Hunter. I dig it too. And I think you, you need to look good to shoot good. Uh, if you like the color orange and make your bow orange, there's nothing wrong with that. It's your hobby. It's your thing. And, uh, you should do things the way you want them. You, sh- you shouldn't, uh, you know, be stuck with things that you don't, you don't like or you won't enjoy it as much. So go with what you like. You know, if you like four, if you like three, if you like the Max Hunters, the way they look, I'm all about it. Uh, you know, get your wraps, your name on them and your colors, make it look cool. There's nothing wrong with that. So that's Blazers. Yeah. Blazers, Max Hunters. They, um, I shot the iron wheels out to a hundred yards. <coughs> um, and they both steer the broadhead. Great. I was shooting an 18 by 20 inch target at a hundred yards and just studying it re- repeatedly. Um, yeah, it, they worked great. The, the AAE, uh, Max Stealths are very quiet. Um, noticeably quieter than, than both of them. They're longer. They're a little bit heavier. And because they're longer, you can't get as much, uh, twist with them on the shaft, if that makes sense. So if you, uh, you know, if you have an, uh, an inch wide and you're trying to put something that's seven inches, uh, long there, it'll hit that inch and won't have as much angle to it. I didn't explain that very well, but you can't get as much twist on a longer vein. Um, yeah, or it just, it actually just falls off the edge of the shaft. It, it can't wrap around that tight. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, uh, the max delta is a, it's a great vein. Um, it's ridiculously quiet, but you don't get as much twist to it. And like I said, your bow is probably the noisiest thing. So, um, I, I dig the blazers and I dig the, the max hunters and that's really what I stock. I have, uh, in my office here, I have every single color of uh, blazer that they make. I even have some gold ones, but um, Captain Bill's the only one that gets those. Uh, they do not make gold anymore, and we track down the last gold veins, that last gold blazers, I think, that are on the planet, and uh, they are his. So I got gold, silver, and every single color that they make. Same thing with the Max Hunters, and I go through them like crazy. Um, that's kind of the veins. And like I said, it's, as long as you have a vein, in my opinion, with a, with a broadhead and, and from my testing, and it, as long as that vein's at least a half inch tall, then you're probably going to be doing okay. And I, you know, other people probably have different opinions on that, but that's just kind of what I've seen. And those veins work. I mean, there's nothing wrong with them. So. Yeah. The, so on, on my build, right, we got, like I said, I got the max hunters. And as soon as I got my arrows, man, the first thing I did open them, went outside, I grabbed, uh, three different broadheads, um, and two different weights and mm-hmm. was let's see what it does with each one right and and here at home i got about 23 24 yards so i'm not going to see much difference of course um with that mm-hmm. range um and then my home range they don't allow us to shoot broadheads i have to drive a little ways. right um but man i mean you're talking i don't know i might be exaggerating half inch groups um, between the different broadheads, um, no, mm-hmm. you know, no noticeable difference. I've put them on other arrows, um, and I've seen, you know, an inch, two inches, things like that. But yeah, they shh, ridiculous. And I, like I said, I've yeah. been shooting those, those blazers for, I mean, a long time, man. And, uh, mm-hmm. I just really like the max hunters. They look bitching. Yeah. And they're a little more durable. So the, the advantage that they have over, they're harder to put on. That's for sure. Cause you have to put. Uh, you have to use their primer pin 
with the Max Hunters. And then uh, they're a little more finicky. And actually, no knock to them, but I've, I've seen some variation in uh, lots that I've gotten. So the kind of the, the part that touches the arrow, the foot, as I call it, sometimes it'll be wide and sometimes it'll be really narrow. And sometimes it's, it's just, it's pretty inconsistent. And actually the length of them uh, will also be different. So they're a little more inconsistent, but you can stack those up. So you could take a bunch of max hunters, uh, put them together and lay them flat and they won't deform. If you take a blazer and set it down, you know, in the back of your truck or something like that, uh, the vein will kind of flatten down or change shape. And it's a little harder to get that blazer to go back to, uh, its original shape. You can heat it up, as they say, but honestly, I've never seen that. I always just kind of bend them and mush them around until they look about right. Right. Yeah, because I'll get that. Like, uh, I put them in my hard case, right? And you got a dozen, and they're touching. If you don't, yeah. If you don't offset, you know, uh, vein to tip, vein to tip, vein to tip, you'll you'll see that you'll get that bend, and it'll just stay there, man. Yep. That's uh, something real quick. Is usually and people might have noticed this on my Instagram account, but when somebody orders a, a set of arrows, I'll ask them if they want a bear shaft. And when everybody always says, you know, oh, do these um, broadheads, oh, they fly like a field point, et cetera, et cetera. It's it's more of the tune of your bow, I think, than anything. If you have a, a huge, uh, you know, fixed blade that's a large, large diameter, uh, that can affect the flight of the arrow as well. But um, I'll ask people, do you want a bear shaft with them? Uh, to do tuning with and um, my one of my buddies now Spencer he gets a bear shaft with his he's he's gone through two sets as well and he'll go out and shoot the bear shaft and he'll shoot a fletched arrow at 20 yards and then he'll send me a picture of it and I'll tell him you know move your rest this way or that way so my uh, what I generally tell people is have you know go to your bow shop have them tune it shoot it at shoot it through paper um, we'll get everything on the bow set up correctly. You know, your center shot for your rest and all that stuff, get that all set up. Um, and then have them shoot it through paper, get that bullet hole by t- tuning the yokes, try to keep your rest as centered as you can to that 13, 16, usually center shot. And then go out, shoot the bear shaft at 20 yards, shoot your fletched arrow at 20 yards, and then send me the picture of it. And I'll tell you what to change. And so, you know, they get it in and the, the bear shaft is, uh, usually it's the angle of the bear shaft. It will be off and it'll be, the knock is usually lined up with a fletched arrow and the point is usually off. And so it's like, oh man, this is, you know, six inches off. And it's like, all you need to do is move your rest, like the thickness of a dime to the left or right. I'll tell them where to go. And then they'll shoot and it'll be right on top of each other. And if you could get your bear shaft, um, shooting the same point as your fletched arrow, then your broadhead will 99% of the time uh, hit about the same spot. And that's, uh, I don't know if I stole that from Tim Dillingham or not, but that's, I remember hearing that from him and uh, I'd been doing that. So I kind of want to give him a little bit of credit for that. But uh, yeah, it's get a bear shaft, get that tune. And then yes, your, your arrow will shoot with a broadhead the same as your field point as long as you have enough vein to counteract your broadhead. Yeah. And again, that's, that's the kind of half inch rule that I have with the, the height of the, of the vein. So. So I'm going to step us back to a couple things. Um, sure. Three to four fletch, right? What yep. is, is there really a difference? I've always shot three, this build, I got three. Um, 
what yeah why, why four more I, i'm and you think i would know but right you, you get something that if it ain't broke don't fix it so i've always shot the three what you know why go to four why go more or, you know what's the deal with that sure you will get uh, a more stable flight with four um because if you think about it um the back of the arrow is kind of like a parachute and the front of the arrow is kind of like a guy parachuting so if you have a bigger parachute, the guy will have more stability when he's falling. And that's what you're getting is you get more drag with four uh, veins than you do with three. So you will get a more stable, more forgiving arrow flight. But the, the question is, do you need it? And if you're shooting good groups out at a distance, then uh, honestly, I, I don't think that you need a four fletched arrow unless you just like the look of it. Like I said, I'm I'm all for it, man put four on there so how does but, uh, how does that four if, if so if that's acting like a parachute how is that affecting speed momentum things of that nature yes yeah so uh that's kind of when you get into a parachute effect so as your arrow is going when you release it and it's going out to the target it has speed it has momentum it has its kinetic energy it's you know 100 percent as it's leaving your bow as it, the further it flies, the more it loses speed and kinetic energy and its momentum and everything starts falling off. And if you have more drag on it, when it, when it starts slowing down, it's going to drop faster than if it didn't have those four fletches on it. So again, if you could shoot three, I would just shoot three because you'll get less of that, that kind of parachute effect on the back of it. It, it just slows it down more, uh, when it runs out of its, uh, momentum or velocity. You talk, you start talking about elk hunting, right? And, and most guys are looking for an up close and personal experience. Mm-hmm. I'm, let's, let's call it 40 yards and under there's, mm-hmm. I can't see there being that much benefit nor detriment to having three versus four when you start talking the the shorter ranges there. Right. I mean, if you're kicking, Correct. if you're kicking 270 to call it, you know, 300, or just call it 270 to 280, which is the range I was shooting for. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't see there being that much effect between the three and four. I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, if you're shooting that close, um, and I, I would go, there's no reason not to go four on it. The, the only thing is just, um, the extra weight on the back of it. And, um, I try to minimize the things that could go wrong. And so if you're, uh, you know, you, you have all your arrows in your quiver, you have four fletches that you need to kind of make sure they're not getting smashed. You don't want to have, uh, you know, you don't want to draw back with four veins on there and then have one of them that was kind of laid over because you just have more on there. So just minimizing the amount of things that could go wrong. And if you don't need it, then don't have it. It's kind of, you know, the old, uh, keep it as simple as you can. Right. Keep it simple. Uh, and exactly. And minimize the amount of, uh, variation that could affect the shot. So, Three is pretty good. Four will get you more stability, but I, I can't quantify how much more it would actually get you. And at closer ranges, again, I mean, it's not going to have that much bearing on it, at least in my, at least in my mind. Now, what about so? Right. So you brought something else up. I said two things, and now I got two more things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so no wait, so wait on the back, right? When we start talking about adding another fletch or, you know, and then we're wrapping these arrows, when yep. we put weight on the front, um, where, where 
basically decreasing that spine, right? Are we doing the opposite as we add fletching on the back or if we're putting the wraps on, um, adding light at knocks, things of that nature? Right. So uh, that's a great question. So what's going to happen there is if you're behind the, the center of gravity on your arrow, then you're not going to be affecting the spine as much. Basically, if you put a lighted knock on it, all your bow sees during the shot is kind of like taking a little bit more weight off of your uh, your draw weight. So if you put, you know, a, a 20 grain lighted knock on the back of your arrow, you're kind of taking 20 grains away from that 70 pounds that you're pulling. So it's not going to do much for the uh, the stiffness of the arrow. It will make it slightly stiffer, but I mean, it's really, really small. It'll move it maybe, you know, like one or two or something like that. The, I don't think we ever covered what some people may have a question on this. And it, it was, I had an interesting experience. Um, before I had my company, I was shooting with a guy at my range and he was a big dude. He was taller than I, I'm six two and he was taller than me and obviously bigger than me. I told you I'm a skinny dude, but, um, he was pulling back and pulling back with some effort and shooting at 20 yards and he was shooting about two foot groups. And I was shooting about 40 yards and I was shooting, you know, really like Coke hand size groups. And then it was just me and him there. And so we were walking out and he was like, man, I can't get this thing to tune for anything. I don't know what's going on with it. And I was like, well, you know, you, you kind of notice how people are shooting. And I was like, you're, you're, your form seems fine. You shouldn't be shooting the way you are. Um, and I said, what arrows are you shooting? And he was like, I don't know. They're 500 grains. And he pulled one out and handed it to me. And it was a 500 spine. And he was, he was pulling 70 pounds with a 30 inch draw. <laughs> but this is a new guy thing. I mean, this is totally, your arrow says 500 on it. What else would it mean? You know, but so the way that they determine the stiffness of the spine, this is probably something we should have covered like an hour ago, but the way they determine the stiffness of the spine, they take uh, two uh, posts, you know, 28 inches apart. They put a, tw- a two pound weight in between them and the amount that that arrow bends is your spine. So if you have a 500 spine, it's, it's bending a half inch, 0.5. If you have a 300 spine, then it's bending 0.300 inches. Um, so the, the lower the number, the stiffer the arrow, unless you're dealing with carbon express and that's a whole nother, whole nother issue. But yeah, this guy was shooting a 500 spine, 70 pounds and a 30 inch draw. And I was like, Oh my God, dude. I said, I'm not exaggerating or anything. I said, please don't shoot those anymore. I said, you're going to, you're either going to blow up your bow. You're going to blow up an arrow. That's going to go through your hand. Yeah, or my hand. <laughs> Honestly, is what I was thinking, um, or my head. But uh, yeah, you, you need to get that that spine right. That's the most critical thing. Uh, but I I told him I was like, don't shoot these again because you're you have to shoot a certain grains per pound. You have to shoot like five grains per pound in order not to void the warranty of your bow. Otherwise, it's like dry firing it. And then you don't want to unload on these arrows and over flex them and then bust them you know or start a, a small fracture and then uh that turns in, into shooting through your hand it's bad times so I, I had him shoot mine which were 340s and his group went from two feet to like 
uh, about eight inches. And he was like, Oh my God. He's like, what do I need? And I said, just go to a shop, get a 300 spine and cut it as short as you, you could think you could get it. I didn't have my company dinner. I probably would have made him some arrows, but, um, yeah, that's something they need to know. Yeah. I, yeah. We did kind of glass over that, huh? What else did we? Yeah. <laughs> make the sure basics. We, but... Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. And that's what I said I want to hit on. Right. So we got that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess uh, maybe we missed it cause I would have never considered, and maybe I should, right. I would have never considered that to be the grain weight. Um, and then, so you talk about grain weight, you know, when you're looking at arrows, they'll give you a, a GPI on that, right. You know, nine, yep. eight, you know, 11, 11 and a half is going to be referenced as a GPI. So grains per inch, they're not going to give you a total weight. That total weight's going to be based on what you, what length you cut that arrow to. So make yeah, sure just the length of your arrow times that number. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's when I'm looking at setting something up for somebody, I, I, I look at every arrow manufacturer and what they have to offer. Like I said, I found really good success with the an Eastern Axis, a five millimeter, five millimeter Eastern Axis, and a and a, a Black Eagle Rampage. They're both they're great arrows because uh, I'll get into diameter a little bit, but both those are uh, 0.204 on the ID or the inner diameter of the arrow. Um, it's a it's a good fit because there's basically three sizes there's kind of the the gold tip hunters and velocities which are uh i think a 246 id so they're a, a bigger diameter they're not like the giant indoor arrows that everybody shoot, that the professionals shoot but they're a bigger the standard diameter they call it there's a, a 204 which is the eastern axis five millimeter and the rampage and then there's the micros which is a 166 which would be like a, a vap um, a gold tip pierce um, and I think, I guess the four millimeter, uh, injection would be the other, would be Easton's equivalent of it. So, and the smaller diameter arrows tend to be a lot more expensive. Um, the, the gold tip hunters and velocities are a standard diameter. Um, they're good. Like I said, I shoot velocities because I, I shoot the crap out of them and I build a ton of arrows to test things with. Um, but they're, they're good arrow. The 204 is good because then you get a smaller diameter. Um, people talk about, there's two things you get with a, a smaller diameter arrow that people talk about. Um, the first one is wind drift. And that, I would say that's, that's true on paper, but in reality, when you're shooting and it's windy out, the, the biggest drift that you're going to get is when you're holding your bow at full draw, yes, you're holding sir. a giant sail. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> you're holding a giant sail. I couldn't agree with that more. Uh, and you could get, you know, get a stabilizer, get weight. If you could get weight low on your bow, that seems to help me. Um, that way you don't have to hold it up as much and it kind of keeps that bottom, you know, weighted. Um, and you will get wind drift. You'll get, and you'll, uh, a smaller diameter arrow will have less wind drift than a larger diameter arrow. That is true. But the biggest thing is, you know, your bow blowing around. The other thing that you get with a, a smaller diameter arrow is penetration. And that's absolutely legit. I mean, if you're, you know, thinking about trying to uh, push an arrow through an animal or into any medium, um, the smaller, the better. It, it'll, it'll go through better. Um, I really like the Black Eagle. Uh, they have their, their system that comes stock with it, which is a, a 55 grain stainless steel 
like insert outsert, and it has a, sm- a slight taper to it, so you can run a, a standard five sixteenths um, field point or broadhead with it, and then it tapers back to the two hundred four, and you get you know a nice clean transition. You have a good stainless steel uh, front tip on there that's pretty solid. Um, like I said, the, the only problem I have with them is that they're like the part that goes in the arrow. So the you really have to, or I do, sand that to get some good texture on it so that it grips that, that uh, glue really well. Uh, and then the Eastern Axis, it basically, for those that don't know, they have a an, their hit insert. Uh, it comes standard with an aluminum one that's 16 grains, and then you can get the brass which is 75 grains you could break off 25 of that and get 50. Um, and then, uh, you just have, you know, you can run a smaller diameter field point on that that lines up with the outer diameter of the arrow, or, uh, they have a BAR, which is, I don't, I really don't mess with. It's another variable that could throw off that, uh, that front. But, uh, on top of that, um, I know iron will now makes a, a footer that fits over the Eastern axis. Um, that's really nice. It's a hardened, hardened stainless steel. Uh, it gives a lot more durability to the, the end of that arrow instead of just the field point resting on the carbon like it normally would. You get a really good, uh, robust surface plus you get a nice taper down to the, uh, the arrow shaft. But you get, yep, you get good penetration with a, a smaller diameter arrow. And that's why I kind of think, you know, for what you get with an Easton Axis or you get with a Black Eagle Rampage, those are really good quality arrows. Um, and, just good systems. It's a good diameter. It's a good, uh, you know, get good penetration. The wind drift is what it is. Like I said, you're going to get more with the bow, but it, it's a good system and it fits most people. So most people that I'm trying to think the last thing, usually when people get something other than that, it's because that's what they have been shooting like a four millimeter injection. I built a couple of those. I built those for Bill. Um, I'm trying to think, Oh, a VP. I wrote a, or built a, BAP TKO Elite, which was an amazing looking arrow. I mean, that thing was crazy. The graphics are awesome. It spins really true. You could just, you just look at it and you could feel the quality. Um, I built one of those for somebody and the BAPs are pretty good. Their new system they have, as opposed to the aluminum insert outsert and the stainless steel insert outsert that they had is, is better. Uh, but you know, you have to buy that separate from the arrow. So, so, Real quick on on the outserts um, and the inserts, my mm-hmm. opinion. Okay, stain, stainless steel, right? And and the reason I say mm-hmm. that is because it's not it's not a soft metal. Um, you got brass, you got aluminum. When yep. I'm punching an animal with that arrow, I don't want to have to worry about losing anything um, into that aluminum or that brass. Right. And, and in my opinion, it's a risk if, if we're using aluminum brass, just my opinion, right. I don't want to piss anybody off out there. I know a lot of guys no, using I, brass and I just think a softer metal. Yeah, is I, a I risk. agree. That to me, I agree. It's, it's kind of one of those things where it's, um, like I built a lot of gold tip, uh, pierce platinums or just pierces that come with it's an aluminum insert that goes in it and it's an aluminum, sleeve that goes over the outside of it and it's pretty thin um and it's it's the weak point there is definitely a weak point there the, the gold tip pierce arrow is ridiculously strong it's small and it has a huge wall on it um and the, the small wall you know you can bend that arrow a lot and because uh all those forces aren't further from the the axis of the arrow 
they're not as amplified uh, as they normally would be. And uh, Tim Gillingham has a the gold tip arrow tester, if you've ever seen that, where uh, he'll bend it in and that thing will just, I mean, it'll turn it into a U. It's, it's crazy. And then he'll let it out and it'll be perfectly fine. Uh, he'll do that, you know, with a full metal jacket or any of the other arrows and they just shatter. But it's because it has a huge thick wall and it's a small diameter. But like you said, the 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 weak point of that is is that aluminum on the outside. And if if you haven't had any problems with it, um, like I said, I have people that shoot those all day and they love them, um, then you're fine. But it is a weak point, and I think that it's something that, that could be improved, especially if it goes, if you shoot an arrow, it goes through an animal and it hits a rock after it. You're you're done with that arrow. It's the same reason I don't like. Uh, I'm not talking from a hunting standpoint, but just from an engineering standpoint. It's why I don't really dig mechanicals. If you shoot, if you shoot one and it goes into the ground or something, and you pull it out of the ground, or you have shot an animal with one, um, from an engineering standpoint and from, you know, somebody that's worked on production parts and equipment, I would not feel comfortable shooting that again, just because you have a mechanism inside that, or you have small parts, or you have thin parts. You know, you don't want repeatability on that. If I have a good hit on an animal, I can give a shit if I could use it again, right? I mean, it, it's done its yeah, job. Oh, yeah. It's served its purposes. Yeah. Like, you know, going back to the brass and aluminum, that that's just, and, and it's probably, it, and it might be far-fetched. It might be one in, you know, 5,000, right? I don't want to, I don't know if I'm at 4,999 and I hit that yeah, animal yeah. just a little bit wrong, right? And and I don't get a good clean shot and, and it books it. I can never find it again. I just think it's, you know, pulling out that anomaly and saying, okay, especially when we start looking at the cost of the stuff. Um, yeah. If I'm spending, you know, X amount of dollars, you know, 150 bucks on, you know, a, a dozen arrows, is it going to really hurt me to insure, you know, for $10, $15 more that I don't have a weak point on the front? I mean, where where the killing mechanism of that arrow is sitting. That just, to me, it doesn't make sense. I just, yeah, another risk. I completely agree. That's why, you know, if, um, if you need a, um, and I'm not a hundred percent bashing mechanicals. Cause like I said, I don't have a lot of hunting experience, but all my, all my answers are, are basically as an engineer. So if you're, if you're having trouble shooting, uh, fixed blade, block, fixed blade broadheads, uh, getting them to group or anything like that, it could be a tuning issue. I'm not saying that it is or it isn't, but it, it that would be my number one thing that I would look at. Um, and not to, I'm not trying to make it an iron wheel advertisement, but I mean, I shoot slick tricks the same way. I'll shoot them out to 100 yards testing things, and if I'm not getting the steering that I need uh, with a, a vein, I'll just it'll stick right into the ground, and I can. I could pick a slick trick up. I could pick an iron wheel up and I just bang it on the side of the, the target, knock the dirt off of it. I go, shoot, I go shoot the same thing again. But if it was a mechanical, like I said, I, it would be a, there's more variation there that I'm just not comfortable with. But again, that's all as an engineer, not as a, a hunter. Like you said, if you good hit and then you're, you're done with it, that's money, dude. Then yeah. it's good. Done deal. <laughs> See ya. Yeah. If I get yeah, salvage exactly. it, great. If not, no harm, no foul. It'll hang on, you know, it'll hang on that rack or yeah. shit. I got a bunch sitting on the workbench and I got broadheads with, you know, uh, blood and fat on them still. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then now, I mean, you start, you know, you talk about the flight and, you know, 
and that was a thing, right? So I've been shooting for a while. And that was one of the things when I, early on, it was, it was difficult to get a good consistent flight and you could tune the arrow, but you know, broadhead to broadhead. But now with the engineering and the time and the manufacturing process and the R and D there's man, you're not really seeing much variation between fixed versus mechanical in flight. Now it's just really a preference thing, especially when yeah. you start looking at, you know, like, you know, I have sitting in front of me, I have a, a box of kudu points, which I just started uh, checking out this year. I shot a turkey with them. They fly great. Um, price yeah. point is right. And then I have my iron wheels. I shoot the, uh, well, I have two. I have the the V100s and the V125s. Um, okay. And, and yeah, I mean, durable is all heck. The iron wheels, I mean, a lot of guys um, say, well, they're expensive. Well, there's a reason they're expensive, right? I mean, you, you, you get what you pay for. Ultimately, it's like, it's like your arrows. You're going to, you're going to go buy the rampage or, you know, the, the 001 VAPS. Um, and you're going to spend that money. Well, again, going back to the tool on the front of that thing, the, you know, the death dealer, if you will, um, spend the money on it. You know, if that's, if that's the case, I mean, if you're going to be discerning, that's the most important piece of it. But I think, yeah, going back I, to it, I'm tangenting again, but the but the engineering that goes into these fixed blades, man, is phenomenal. Almost across the board for most of them. Not saying that the Chinese have it down yet, but Yeah, exactly. Uh yeah, make sure it's a it's a really good steel. It's something that's got a lot of impact strength and uh it's super freaking sharp and yeah, you'll be fine. I mean it's like I was saying before, you know, I, I try to get, I try to get the speed. I try to get the spine. I do get the spine right. And then from there I get the, the speed at least to 270. And then, but all that is accounting for the fact that you're going to have a super razor sharp slicer on the front of that thing. And if you do, then it, you're good because, you know, like we talked about before, um, with the guy that has the 670, uh, grain arrows, he's going to have a lot of initial impact and, and get a lot of hemorrhaging that way. But for most guys, normal humans, uh, what we're trying to do <laughs> is get an arrow to pass through something. And anybody that'll say that it doesn't need to be sharp to do that, then, you know, I, I could, I could pose a pretty good argument against that and them needing to be super sharp. And then on top of that, if they go, if they're going through an animal, they hit a bone. Uh, and this is all from an engineering standpoint again. Um, but if they go through, they hit a bone, you don't want that thing to, to fracture or shatter. You want it, you want to maintain that point and you want to maintain that point all the way through the animal, not just on the initial penetration, but you want that thing cutting and, you know, having a, a really sharp point all the way through it. So you don't want something that's, that's fragile or anything like that, you know, made like a glass, you want something that's, uh, that's super, super tough. So, so, okay. So that just brought some shit up, man. Um, <laughs> when we start talking, Good. when we start talking impact on the animal. So when we, when we draw back and we hit that trigger or we pull that back tension, that arrow flexes, right? Um, yeah. that arrow bends that, that we start talking about the spine again now on impact. And, and I'm not the engineer here, so I'm, I'm <laughs> using my rational thought process, but yeah. I imagine that that spine, right, with, with that momentum, and we start talking about kinetic energy, things like that, on impact, we're losing a lot of that because I have to imagine that that spine 
um, be it, you know, 300 or 500, we're going to see some energy lost into that spine bending on impact, however minor, right? So that goes back into what you're saying in my head, in my opinion, that if it's, it needs to be super sharp because you're losing even more momentum and kinetic energy as soon as you start making impact with that, with that broadhead. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, the other thing that goes back to is also having the correct spine. So if your arrow is flexing as it's hitting, as soon as that arrow hits, and if it's, if it's in a slight flex, a lot of that energy will go into bending that arrow more. So if you think about, you know, starting with a, a support column that's already bent and then you load it, it's just going to bend more. But if you have that support column straight and you load it, it's super efficient. Uh, same thing with your arrow. You don't want it bending and flexing as it's flying into the animal. You want it or hitting the target. You want it to uh, be straight and flying straight, flying true. You don't want it kind of flying at an angle because it'll just lose more of that energy into um, bending the arrow and you want it all stacked on top of each other. So you want the, the broadhead and the center of gravity in a perfect uh, alignment with the, the trajectory of the arrow, the direction of the arrow, so to speak, in order to use the most, that's the most efficient uh, way to, to push that arrow through the, the target or animal or whatever you're shooting at. Yeah. So you're, you're needing that. Yeah. That's the weight, right. Helping it get through. Yeah. That's the weight. And that's the, you know, you're using that stiffness of the spine and whatever it may be to push it through. The funny thing is when you shoot, um, and, uh, another tip for the, the new guys and some of the older guys maybe, but, um, if you shoot and you hit everybody shot off the wrong pin, everybody's done it. If you have multiple pins, you've done it. And if you shoot one and you hit like a fence or you hit something and you're not hitting it, usually you're not hitting it straight on check back by the knock to see if there's a split by the knock. Yeah. <laughs> because when that, yeah, oh yeah. When that arrow hits and it's offline, it'll like whip. So it'll hit the front and then the back end of that arrow will whip around. Crack right and at the knock. It'll crack at the knock. I was helping a guy and he was like, I don't know what's going on with it. You know, that kind of thing at their range. And so I, I started to knock an arrow. And when I did, the knock came off and I was like, your knock is, Oh my God. You know, it was like, and his, the back of his arrows was, it was shattered. And I was like, what happened to your arrow? And he was like, Oh, I hit a fence earlier. I didn't think it did anything because everybody looks at the front of it. That's what the image is going to be. But usually that, that part's, I won't say it's always okay, but it, the, the back gets damaged as well. I'm, and you're speaking my language, man, because I'm anal. Dude, I, I pull my, <laughs> I'll pull arrows out, and I'm shooting a foam block. So what I do is I put my foam block in front of the bale. And, and here at our range, um, the bales are pretty nasty. But then there's this like uh-huh. uh, thick like conveyor belt type rubber mat behind it. And I just – Yeah. I've seen arrows. You know, I've seen that knock, you know, that knock crack, we'll call it, um, from that, right? You're taking that energy, and you're just stopping it. Um, and with yeah. the bales being as bad as they are, they're not really, they're not really allowing that arrow to sit straight and dissipate that energy. I mean, they're, you know, they're so bad that that arrow is able to whip and break it. So I'm, I'm anal, man. I shoot that foam and, and it's just a habit, right? And, and it really goes back to that whole safety thing. I mean, shooting that crack, the knock crack, um, that could lead to, you know, that catastrophic failure as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Always, you know, when you're walking back, always flex your arrows. Um, 
and you can, you know, as you're walking back, just bend them a little bit. Um, I, I do it as much as I can just because it's something to do on walking back to it's a, you know, you can either look around or you can bend some arrows. So I just sit there and kind of inspect them and bend them because I, I have arrows that are, you know, a couple years old that I've been stacking on top of each other and are all like the labels are worn off because they shoot against each other all the time. And so I take a pretty close look at them walking back, flex them, and then also just look at them and make sure that there's no cracks or anything in them. Cool. But, I mean, I think we can go on forever, huh? I mean, you can. I think so. Yeah. I was like, I was thinking of a couple more things. I was like, man, I wonder if he wants to talk about this or, I'll this, go, or this. No, go for it. It's all good, man. I mean, if it's there, <laughs> it's there. We're, we're committed. If you got something yeah. that, well, uh, uh, I guess just kind of wrapping up my process. Like I said, I, I get everybody's information. Uh, I go through, uh, figure out what arrow would be the best for you based on, uh, your setup, what you're currently shooting, um, and what's out there, what systems are available, what inserts are available, um, outserts, footers, all that stuff. Um, and your, your price range. Uh, if somebody has a specific price that they're shooting for, uh, the, the hunters, the velocities are, are a good economical arrow and they're tough as nails. Um, then after I get them, I get them all built. I wrap them. Like I said, I align the, the wrap, uh, mark on the wrap with the spine on the arrow. Um, I glue the veins down. Um, I kind of pride myself on my, my gluing abilities and the, the amount of glue that that's showing. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to stop you. Just remember where you're at. <laughs> That was the okay. first. That was the first thing when I got on the phone after I got my arrows and shot them, and I called my buddy and I said, "Hey, dude, you can't see a drop of glue anywhere on the insert or on these veins." So sorry about that. It was oh, <laughs> it was so meticulous. Yeah, uh, it takes so start to finish on me just building these things. So from getting the arrows in and then cutting them. Um, you know, scuffing up the ID, get, determining the spine, uh, doing the spine alignment, I meant, uh, all that stuff to having a finished set of arrows takes me about two, over two hours. And it is not because I don't know what I'm doing. It's all because I do so much to them to make sure that everything's right. So I try to, I try to make the best arrow that I possibly can. And it takes a long time, but, um, I think that like I said, I, you know, I, I charge people to do this and they trust me with, um, making the best arrow that, that they can, that hopefully that they can find. I know there's, there's people out there that could probably build better arrows than I can, but, um, I would like to learn from those people, but <laughs> I build a good arrow. <laughs> I build a good arrow, you know, and, uh, I think if I skip a step or if I try to do something different, then I'm shortchanging that person. And then if they're hunting with this arrow, then, I'm shortchanging, you know, the, the animal's life that they, they could be taking and, and not putting, not putting food on the uh, table. So I really do a lot. Uh, everybody gets uh, a box and then there's all the arrows are held with foam in the box. Um, and they're really securely in there. Uh, then there's a spreadsheet that comes with it that I print out. And I think I mentioned this before, but the spreadsheet will have everything you've ever wanted to know about your arrows and uh, don't care about. There's all kinds of information in there. So I have uh, front of center, total weight, estimated speed, kinetic energy, momentum, 
I have all of your bow specs on there and then weights for all of the, the 12 arrows. So, uh, and I keep all those, I think I mentioned this too, but I keep all those. And then if somebody needs, um, another arrow or another set of arrows, um, they just call me up and they, uh, I had a guy that I posted this, but a guy, Captain Bill called me and said, Hey man, I need 12 more of those arrows exactly like you had, but I want, you know, this on it and these colors. And I said, done deal, man. And that was it. That's how he rewarded arrows. Okay. And then got got the <laughs> hey, can you kick me yeah, exactly. before this? <laughs> so yeah, okay, I'm, I, I, like, I got you on something. I know I got you on this, right? Because everything to this point has been freaking perfect, man. My arrows are perfect. Uh, the thought <laughs> process and the build. I know I got you on this shit right here. My arrows that are on the way. Yeah. How are they numbered, bro? They're numbered one through 12 again. Yeah. <laughs> 13 to 24. You just built me one through 12. I know. I know. God damn. I knew I was going to get you on something. <laughs> you, could, you could go through and uh, put a little mark next to him, put a dot yeah, on That's what I'm going to do. I said, you know well, what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to renumber these. If, if I started doing that, though, with the way you're shooting them and destroying them, man, I, I don't know if I can put all the numbers on there. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to do it on 103. The, uh, yeah, 105. You might have to yeah, do it on exactly. the fletching, man. I knew I was going to get you on that one. I just knew it. Oh, I was yeah. going to ask you about that too. When I, when I hit you up the other day, I was like, man, I should tell them to enable them or number them. 13, no, 24. I, a good thing to do would be to go through and like, just take a Sharpie and put a dot next to it or something like oh, that. No, That'd I'm be just, a good way to yeah, get I'm just straight. Supposed to, I'm I know. Just I know your balls, bro. <laughs> I, I did the same thing. So when I, I went through and uh, was building some arrows up for me and I was numbering those and then I turned around, I put in my quiver and I was like, Oh shit! I got two number twos now. I was like, "Fuck!" Yeah. You know, I gotta figure. Uh, I'll mark this, or I'll mark that, or uh, I'll take along the top of the vein. I'll just put a mark on that, or something. Silver I have all sharpie. kinds. Of, yeah, silver, silver sharpie. Sharpie, man. I have all kinds of notes on my arrows uh, because I have weights that I've added inside the arrow, and so I want to be able to, at the range, be able to figure out what it is. You know, I don't have my scale with me or anything, but yeah, it's crazy. But no, they're they're good. So I'll Sorry, go ahead. so I run a, a a five arrow quiver, right? And I'm and dude, I'm gonna go through all those arrows and I'm gonna go, okay, this one is this weight, and, and I'm gonna just group them, right? <laughs> and it's gonna be it yeah. might be 0. 0.5 or 0. 0.2 on the weight, but man, they're gonna be tight. Five of them are gonna shoot, you know, they're gonna be right yeah. there on weight. You can do that. I mean, it's um, I don't think there's really a lot of difference if, if they're five grains apart i don't think you'll notice the difference no but it's not that noticing is something it you can do. yeah it's not noticing it's, it shot wise but it's sort of like me thinking they should be numbered 13 to 24 right you just have those yeah. little anal retentive habits right oh yeah plus i mean if it's 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 all about removing variables you know you have your anchor points you have like uh michael now has his nose knot and his yeah people his peeps gone he has a nose knot he has a uh, a kisser button or kisser knot and all that stuff. It's removing every single variable or controlling every single variable that you can and trying to get success. So if you're, you know, grouping all of your arrows by weight because you have the sheet now, you can look at the the different sheets and say, okay, this one's 385 and that one's, you know, 386 or whatever. Um, you can just sit down there at night and run through them and, and figure out which five you're going to take with you and you will have all the arrows that are be you know within a grain of each other, uh, 
the five in your quiver. It's a great idea. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, I just I geek out on that stuff, man. And it's just, you know, that one arrow is, you know, that outlier that's like, you know, a grain and a half. It can't be even look. Oh yeah. Though that and like you said, you know, when you go to the range and you're shooting, you're like, if you shoot and you end on a bad note, then as soon as you walk up, you'll be like, uh, this is the one. But then if you're looking at it and you're like, that that one is a grain less than, than all the rest of them. Right. <laughs> always be higher on your target you know <laughs> I, I knew that number six was gonna do that yeah I knew, I, i'm not shooting it anymore it'd be the last one you grab out of the case yeah exactly there's always that one that, that yeah problem, that problem arrow but you know what's funny <laughs> is i knocked off i knocked off one of my veins right and i'm like i'm not i'm just gonna keep shooting it. it's just gonna shoot with two man i'm shooting two veins out to 80 yards dude <laughs> You know, oh yeah. You know, just I'm still letting it fly. It's like there's no way that I'm gonna not shoot it. Um, that's why I hit you up and asked you what what uh, that percentage was on that helical. So I, I ordered that uh, that clamp for my bit. Oh okay. Yeah, and this goes out to everybody. So when you when you re uh, fletch those, all you have to do is turn that knock 90 degrees to the mark that's on the wrap. And so just, there's a seam, uh, a, a weldline basically where the, the knock is made. Um, just turn that so that the seam is lined up perfectly with that, that mark. And then you can fletch on, uh, from there. So if you wanted to fletch exactly like, like I did on those arrows, uh, basically you almost max out your, your bits and burger, use a straight clamp, turn that knock 90 degrees so that the, the seam of the knock lines up with the exactly with a mark on my uh wrap and fletch away that's where it goes i got a couple that uh that i'm gonna have to do well provided provided uh ups doesn't let us down yes exactly like they did uh one of our other friends we won't get into that (laughs) (laughs) cool man so uh Anything you want to uh, get out there in closing, man? Um, how can folks get a hold of you? Where's the website, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, so uh, the the best place to kind of see what I've been up to uh, is my Instagram. It's DCA Custom Arrows. So it's at DCA Custom Arrows. Um, and there you can kind of see everything. Um, when people have questions about wraps or anything like that, that's where I send them to kind of get some ideas. Uh, I, so I sell custom tuned arrows where I, I do everything. You send me your information. I send you a, a complete arrow, um, and including broadheads. If you need those, um, I can get some iron wheels for you if you need them, not turn into commercial, but, uh, so I, I do the complete arrows. And then on top of that, I also just do wraps. So, um, there's a lot of guys that like building their own arrows and I think that's awesome. Um, they send me questions and I, I try to answer those as best I can. Um, but they just want some cool wraps. So yeah, I sell the custom wraps, um, and all that stuff, all that can be, I can be contacted either through Instagram or I'll probably send you to my website. And then that's www.dcacustomarrows.com. Uh, fill out that shooter information. And honestly, I, I kind of send everybody there just because it, keeps keeps me organized slightly and if i don't get back to you you know soon i 
seriously apologize about it, but I do get back to everybody. I have a, a whole list going and uh, I apologize, but it's just, I can't do it full time. Uh, so I, I do it when I can. And I, I want to spend the time with everybody. So everybody that's, you know, waiting on me to get back to them, I will, but I, I want to give everybody the time uh, that I think that they deserve for everything. So. Well, Kyle, I, uh, I appreciate the time, man. I'm glad we got to, uh, I've been on you since, uh, yeah, we first started talking. Yeah. Time flew, man. It went by pretty quick, didn't it? Damn. It did. Yeah. I was, I was like, oh my gosh, we've been talking for that long, but yeah, I mean, you talk about arrows and I could go on and on and on. It's, it's a never ending story, but I, I really appreciate you having me on. I know you had a lot of, a really good guests, a lot of really inspirational guests. Um, I, feel like a letdown just being all technical but oh no it's awesome um, man i mean that's one of the things that that i that i want to get on more um so it's perfect and i appreciate your time shoot and i appreciate the hell out of those arrows man i love them (laughs) yeah good keep shooting them just shoot different spots yeah that's uh definitely what we'll be doing yeah. Yeah. We got to throw mine up on that Instagram and I've been holding off and ho- I look at that picture and I'm like, damn, those things are pretty. Well, I wasn't going to do it until, uh, the, the podcast came out. So I could give you a plug for that. Yeah. We'll get, uh, I'll, I'll look at the calendar after we get off here and I'll get you a date. This is probably going to be in a week. Okay. That's cool. I'm out of town next week. I'm up in Oregon for that hoodoo shoot. So yeah, we'll get that on awesome. there. Yeah, man. Again, bro. I appreciate it. Um, yeah cool thanks man I appreciate it thank you brother you can catch up with Kyle on Instagram at DCA Custom Arrows for full builds or to check your current setup head over to DCACustomArrows.com for the full lineup of Titanium Archery Products Tap Tuesday episodes go to WesternContours.com thank you for listening Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.